Nope. Rock all over you podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin. Edwin and Eric. They don't give a fuck. They just want you to rock. Yeah. That's Bill Wang. I'm Eric Jordan on CP. Edwin somewhere. Break out the beer. Break out the babes and the wet floor signs because we're making them wet. This is the Rock All Over You podcast. All over you podcast, bam, 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 dilly dee. Bam, 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 dilly dee. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rock All Over You podcast. God damn, that's a long intro. We need to trim that shit down, Edwin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I was able to take you know the, it's a strategy. I, I use it so I can go take a take a massive shit before every podcast. I get the runs every show. It's a use your illusion of intros. Very exactly. long. L- little bit fat there. A little bit of fat. Yeah, there's a lot of fat on that. <laughs> so, but, hey man, how you doing? How you doing? You done? You know, shoveling that snow. Yeah, I got, uh, fortunately, man, fucking at my work, my supervisor went down with COVID, as you call it, uh, right before we get the biggest snowstorm of, like, the past four years, I want to say, uh, I had to do that shit all by myself, our plow broke, and, man, I just got my ass kicked, but luckily it's all done now, my boss is cool, bought lunch and everything, like, the past three days, lunch and breakfast, so, yeah, you know, I, I work with some some good people that at least take care of you. So, but I'm I'm here. I got a drink in my hand. What are you drinking? I so like once again, I because of the snow, I never got the chance to really go out and get more beer. So I am. Are drinking you still drinking white wine? No, it's different. Uh, it's the shit my wife got from Aldi. It was too strong for her. It's the strawberry like margarita drink, and I threw some Mountain Dew. <laughs> I threw some Mountain Dew in there, so. Yeah, so next 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 episode, I promise there'll be a beer in my hand. You'll hear a beer crack. Yeah, man, beer water. or whiskey or something, man. You gotta step up your game. I, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, fucking Ian Wally, Ian Wally messaged me. He's like, "Hey, where the fuck's that royalty money? I need need you to crack some beers open on the show." Well, I'm drinking a Miller High Life. Uh, I already opened it. I couldn't wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I hear something. Yeah, you I hear something there. I, What's that? I, it sounds like David Lee Roth, but he sounds like he has a lot of Mountain Dew in his system. What? What the fuck is that? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> What's oh, up, guys? Shit. Oh shit! Look who just walked in. Hey, it's Dick Watkins. It's Dick Watkins. What's it looks up, like, guys? Hey, looks man. like 
Looks like we're whipping our mick out tonight. Holy shit. Whipping the mick out and giving it a couple jerks, gentlemen. It's going to be a good time. Hey, man. Mick Lockett, <laughs> he was our first guest. And he's, right. our, he's our first returning guest. Look at that. Double the pleasure, man. Check that out. First guest and first returning guest. I'm pumped, guys, and I'm excited to be here. Awesome Lord. to have you back, Mick. Awesome thank you, Edwin. You. And thank you, Eric. This is uh, Hell yeah. quite... So what, what are you drinking uh, tonight, Mick? Oh, all right. Well, uh, let's see. I'm starting off with a beer. I got a Little King's Agave Lime. Cool. Hey, I got two of those bad boys lined up. They're pretty good. They're not as good as normal Little King's, but they'll do. And I'm actually in my uh, whiskey glass. I've got a shot going on, okay? Like it's a yeah. double shot. And I'm mixing blind squirrel peanut butter whiskey with Diamore raspberry liqueur. And this is known as a peanut butter and jelly shot. Ooh, I get Damn. that. Yeah. I get that. Did you have some I'm hipsters spend the night at your house and they just <laughs> left some shit? <laughs> Actually, no, not really. I actually figured this uh, out at a bar here in Louisville, Kentucky called the Rec Bar. It's one of their, like, uh, one of their signature drinks. So I kind of ripped it off from them and stuff. If, if it was, instead of a whiskey, it was a beer, Johnny Vogan would be very interested. He'd be like, hmm. Right, he'd be like, hey, this is right up my alley. I'm going to crank up some Motley Crue and maybe have a shot with you gentlemen. <laughs> I, I got to tell you that. Normally, I, I like my booze tasting like booze. You know, I'm kind of old school. I don't like right. all the flavor chip for the most part. But I got to tell you, over the holidays, my brother... I forget the the brand. I don't, it might have been the same that you're drinking, but he got some peanut butter whiskey, like peanut butter flavored whiskey. I gotta tell yeah. you, it wasn't bad. There was something very complimentary about the the peanut butter and the whiskey taste. It kind of worked. Right, it does work. You know, and I'm like you to where most of the time I like my beer to taste like piss. You know, I love Coors Light. I like my beer uh, to taste like urine, and I love nasty bourbon. You know, straight Ooh, up Kentucky right. bourbon. You ever have the Devil's Cut? Oh, Devil Jim Beam Devil's Cut, I have. Pretty yeah. good stuff, man. Yeah, it's Pretty like just stuff. shit they got like left over on the bottom of the barrel. Oh, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. I'll tell you a uh, really good one uh, is Jim Beam's Red Stack. I've had that. Yep. Yeah, mix that in with some cherry uh, uh, Coca-Cola or some Pepsi. Good Ooh, stuff. that sounds good. Ooh. Yeah, I know you've been, a, you've, been pound, you've been hitting the cherry cola a lot recently. I have, among other things. <laughs> Cherry Cola is some good shit, man. I, my wife still won't drink it. She thinks it tastes like fucking medicine. But uh, I'm I'm on that I'm on that Cherry Cola train. Do you got uh where you're at, Mick? Is there a yeah. fat burger like anywhere within 20 minutes of where you're a, at? A fat burger? Yeah, because if they start it in the South, I don't know where if there's any in Kentucky. You ever no, been to a fat burger? I've never even heard of a fat burger. No. I've okay. never heard of that either. No. All right, so apparently there's none around you. Okay, a fat burger, it's a great place. Amazing yeah. place, as you can tell by the, the name, but it's probably the best <laughs> burger I ever had. Uh, they got them a couple in L.A. There are some in Florida. I don't know where exactly they started. I know they start. I think they started in Atlanta. But anyway, they, gotcha. they got a fountain machine where you go oh. and kind of design your own Cokes. Like, oh, it, no. Yeah, you could design. Like, I always have, that's where I always have my cherry vanilla Coke Zeros. <laughs> oh, that and, sounds amazing. Yeah, you could, like, design and combine anything you want from this fountain. And then get this right. really big, stupid, big 
juicy hamburger. It's a great place. Yeah, you that sounds amazing, dude. Now, yeah. is the soda is it Coca Cola brand or is it? Yeah, it's officially. That's what's great about it. It's like okay. official Coca Cola, but it's a fountain. Gosh, gotcha. I, I love that fountain shit. Yeah. I think I've seen these. They're called like Coca Cola freestyles. Yeah, you is go in it? there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Yeah, right. it's, like a, it's like a jukebox. It looks like Absolutely, with different kinds of Coca Cola, Mr. Pib, you know. All yeah, you can, do, of, you yeah. can do all kinds of crazy shit. You can have like a cream blueberry Coke, whatever. You can do all kinds of crazy shit. I like the cherry cream. I think it's a nice complimentary taste. Over the years, I grew to actually like Coke Zero better. I don't know, but yeah. really, regular Coke's a little too sweet for me. Now. I like Coke Zero a lot. Yeah, yeah. Coke Zero tastes like Coca Cola, but they replace the sugar with salt. That's what yeah, it tastes I, like. For I me. like that. I mean that. Right. I like some. I'm with you, Edwin. I kind of like that nasty shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like the bite. I like right. the bite. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's talk about uh, the news a little bit. Uh, and yeah. first, I want to say that this news segment is brought to you by none other than Bruce's all male Swedish body waxing service. <laughs> Hot rocking! Oh yeah! Hell yeah! Got that sponsorship. In an MGD, right. Miller, Miller Genuine Draft. Even though neither of us, none of us are drinking it. No. We still want their sponsorship at some point. Right. We still love them. Yeah, we just haven't gotten our restock yet. Yeah. yeah they're hard to so, come by. So keep yeah. buying it. Keep Please. buying it so that MGD could then, we can be official sponsors of it. There you go. Yeah. Hashtag save the MGD, people. Do it. If you love America, you will drink MGD. <laughs> so, uh, so what, what's going on in the news today, Mr. Eric Jordan? Oh man, so there's a there's a couple of things going on, but the one story that we saw that we knew we had to bring up was the War of Words. War, fuck! I've already had too much to drink. The War of Words between Mr. Nikki Six. A uh, fellow student of the Mick Watkins School of Bass and uh, Mr. Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. You know what I love about this? I love about this because I'm nostalgic. You know, I was a teenager in the 90s. So right. it's like, oh, Eddie Vedder and Nikki Six are like trading shit with each other? Shit, it's like we're in the 90s again. This is fun. <laughs> right. It's straight up like 1991. Straight up flashback to 1991. Let's do it. It's fun. Let's get into it. It's funny because uh, we did a, you know, me and Mick at the end of the docking episode, we started talking a bit about the early 90s rock divide. And we ended up cutting that, you know, from the, that episode. But then it's on YouTube. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, Edwin Canastracci, it's there as exclusive material, a bonus track of us talking about that. So I thought we'd, uh, it'd be a good way to kind of discuss, uh, to discuss this 90s divide, you know? And it's interesting. I mean, I think uh, it's also good because I know where you two guys, you know, like, where you, you guys fall here. Like, you, like, you definitely would have Nikki's back on this. Um, I'm a, I, well, let's put it this way. If it was Vince Neil throwing back shit at Eddie Vedder, I'd totally have his back because I know right. Vince yeah. Neil was always... Support. He always believed in that kind of music. Vince Neil's like real as fuck. He always believed. He is. In He's the yeah. Yeah. He never acted. He never acted like he was ashamed of what they were doing in Motley Crue. 
you know? Right. It's just like, exactly. Nikki Six, like, I know in the mid-90s, he was all acting like, oh, Motley Crue's not just about girls and all that hair metal stuff, and he was trying <laughs> to distance himself from that shit. The very shit right. Eddie Vedder's kind of saying he's he wasn't into. And I know Nikki Six in the mid-90s, he was totally playing into, like, oh, that shit's not cool, blah, blah, blah. And now, because it's post the dirt and post, you know people you know like that shit now it's more nostalgia for the 80s and stuff now he's like you know standing up for that kind of stuff yeah. i'm just saying i just remember when nikki six was not standing up for that kind of stuff so right you yeah. know so i think about that at the time i just think about nikki nikki you were you were totally turning your back on this shit in the mid 90s and, and now just, he know. totally did you know and what's funny is like last week i listened to that uh uh, the album that that uh, they did with John Karabi, you know, and yeah. I'm sitting there listening to it, and I love that record. I think it's a great, great record. Album. It's it's honestly some of Motley's best stuff. I mean, it really is. But I'm sitting there listening to the lyrics, and every like every like other song or something has the word suicide in it. And I'm like, man, you guys are really trying to pound down this fucking '90s, uh, you know grunge depressing suicide thing yeah it sounds a little try hard in some areas i think but it's a great record i totally agree i musically it's really cool and there are some great songs on it but it definitely screams try hard they're definitely following trends instead of starting trends right and it wears the opposite of what i mean i love those first two motley crew albums those first two motley crew albums are great and i do like them better than anything pearl jam ever released uh, I definitely am not as anti Pearl Jam as you two guys are. Ugh. I would imagine. But I'll say uh, <laughs> uh, they do nothing for me. I hate. Pearl I don't even like Even Flow anymore. That used to be like the one song where I was like, "Well, hey, that Even Flow song's pretty good." I hate that song now too. As I hear it so goddamn much. <laughs> I think it, sometimes there is a little bit. This just hits <laughs> upon timeline a little bit. Yeah. But, um, it's a thing, it's like, I noticed, especially, it's a little more pronounced with me and Mick because it's like, we're just off by a couple years, but I see a difference just in terms of me Those being in years. high school. Yeah, just me being in high school in the early 90s, him being in high school in the late 90s, there's a little bit of a difference there. That's like why you like shit like Marilyn Manson and, yep. and more industrial shit and, and Tool and some stuff that I'm not so into. And... I can get into like early '90s Seattle grunge. You know, I love all those Seattle bands as well, because yeah. that's what was going on when I was in high school. Now there's shit that everyone, if you have any sense of uh, rock and roll spirit and taste, is just like classic metal. Like we all love classic metal. We all could get behind like Black Sabbath and ACDC and you know stuff like that. We can all say like that's stuff that stands the test of time. That right. you didn't have to be alive during. Like, most of the music Eric loves, like he wasn't even born when it was made. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's the shit that you can love. But then there's some shit that you just kind of maybe like because of your timeline. Exactly. You know? Because, you know, like, whenever I was coming up, like you mentioned, you know, it was really, like, in the era of Tool and Marilyn Manson. And, dude, back then, I fucking loved Tool. Like, yeah. I loved them. I, I used to crank all that shit all the time. And now when I listen to it, it doesn't connect with me as much as it used to. Yeah, there's some of that stuff that's a little more dated to me. Right. It's yeah. very dated to me. But I still love me some Marilyn Manson. 90s Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Love it. So, so that, that's kind of like my equivalent for like the early 90s, like Seattle grunge stuff. And so I do like I I'll say this. I like I love the Pearl Jam album, Vitology. 
and I do like a lot of their stuff, but at the same time, objectively, I could see why a lot of people would think that they were a boring band, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so I'm not, like, against what Nikki said. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, but it's almost unfair to compare them to me. It's like comparing Bob Seger and Kiss. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Huge difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's just like they're just totally different kinds of band, you know. Right. I, I feel like Eddie has a right to not like Motley Crue, but you know, Nikki's got a right to say, "Hey, I think your band's boring too," you know. Right. So yeah. that's the thing, you know. You know, just like, one. I'm sorry, Evan. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. So I just like, you know, I'm not really against either of them. I think it's like uh-huh. it's fair enough. Like, yeah, Eddie does, doesn't like Girls, Girls, Girls. I mean, what? what oh, you I think? hate that fucking song. <laughs> of course, of course, Eddie Vedder <laughs> wouldn't like Girls, Girls, Girls. But at the same time, of course, Nikki Six would think Pearl Jam was a boring, kind of lame band. So, like, you know, more power to both for them. That's <laughs> hey, <all here's>, <laughs> hey, here's the difference, though. Like, I, I hate the song Girls, Girls, Girls. Um, but here's the thing. If I go see, like, Pearl Jam do a song I don't like, I'm going to be bored. If Molly Crew has a concert and they're playing Girls, 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 I hate that song. But they're going to be blowing up fireworks and have strippers on the stage and have all these lights and shit going on to distract right. you from the shitty music you're hearing. <laughs> so it makes it better. So, yeah, Molly Crew, I mean, if you go to a Molly Crew show, that's some entertaining shit. Even though, like, most of the songs I'm not going to like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Man. Wild Side's great. I love, I love Wild, Wild Side. Side. Yeah, yeah. That's a great song. But for the most part, Girls, Girls, Girls is my, definitely my least favorite um, Motley Crue album. I feel like maybe Eddie Vedder, like, secretly, like, deep down inside, is a heavy metal fan because he kind of knew that Girls, Girls, Girls was his safest bet to himself. Because <laughs> generally, everyone thinks that's their weakest album from the 80s. You know what? Uh, really? Man. Yeah, that's, See, most, yeah, most people I, say that. You know what I find funny though is in the when I read The Dirt by Motley Crue, Nikki Six, it was either the dirt or the heroin the fictional uh heroin diaries. Uh it was either one of those books he mentioned like, yeah man with you know, he's like we were like a big band because man, girls, 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 if it wasn't for the title track and Wild Side, that album would have like bombed. But then, you know, when they released the thirtieth anniversary edition of it, you know, they got interviews with Nikki Six talking about, yeah, it's such an important album, it's such a huge album, it's very important to our success. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Right. So, so so Mickey, you don't you didn't know that it had that kind of uh bad reputation that album as being weak? Well, I mean I mean I've heard that it's weak from people, but to me it's like and I know this is gonna be a little crazy sounding, but to me, easily the weakest eighties Motley Crue album has to be Dr. Feelgood. Oh, that one's pretty shitty. Dr. Feelgood, it's them it's them trying like to be 80s Aerosmith with all of the horns and stuff. It just they're trying to become a re- like arena rock. Right. Yeah, well, they they always had that influence though. I mean, I don't know. I think Feelgood I think Feelgood's stronger. But yeah, I could get I but I will say this, Feelgood does have a song that's worse their worst song in the eighties, uh, time, <laughs> time, <laughs> time, time for change. Right. Uh, we I, are the world. I got we are the children. I normally don't do this. I like an album in my iTunes to represent what the album really is. I actually deleted that. <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> I, I, it ends so great if it ends with uh, Don't Go Away Mad. Like, that's such yeah. a song and such a great way to end the album. And the title album. works for, like, an end of the album song, too. Yeah. Yes. You know, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, that title works as, like, a great, like, end of the album song. 
I and right. I I actually love that song. That's one of my favorite Motley Crue songs. Actually, that's one yeah. of mine too. That's probably my top three Motley Crue favorite songs. Yeah, yeah they, I love that song. They call it "Time for Change" though, because it's like, yeah, it's time to change this fucking album. Oh, it's <laughs> horrible! It's horrible. It's one of the worst songs they ever recorded. And, uh, but otherwise, I like that. And, like, yeah, I I know what you're saying, but I kind of like it better in Girls Girls Girls. Yeah. But um, definitely their first three albums, I think, are their best albums. The first. Oh three. yeah, they definitely peaked with "Shout at the Devil," and then "Theater of Pain." was just kind of like the next best thing. Yeah, yeah it's, Zero Pain's yeah. like a watered-down Shot the Devil, because it's got some good moments on there. Oh, it does. Um, but, man, for me, it's all about Shot the Devil and uh, the 94 album, and that's pretty much for my, my love for Motley Crue. Uh, that's that as far as it goes. <laughs> Too Fast yeah, it, for me is my favorite. I love Too Fast for Love. I mean, it's I got love. such a... It's weird, because it's got like such like a cheap trick, Judas Priest... Uh, T-Rex, kind of. It's just got like such a weird, unique sound that doesn't really sound like anybody else. Yeah. Now, I, I, in a lot of ways, it's like I feel it's like their most honest album. It's like just yeah. them. Just like this is the music we love or inspired by. It just sounds like it's a very inspired album. I love that album. It's very raw. I remember yeah. I I remember as a kid I bought that because I was obsessed with the song Livewire, and I remember I brought. I, it was like summer vacation, and my mom and family, we were going to Noah's Ark Water Park in Wisconsin Dells. And so I had just gotten a Walkman, so, and just gotten that album. So I had, uh, I brought like a Kiss CD, I think it was like Dynasty, uh, British Steel by Judas Priest, and uh, Too Fast for Love by Motley Crue. And I remember listening to Too Fast for Love, and I just kept playing Livewire over and over, because I was just obsessed with that song. I'm like, alright, let me listen to the rest of the album, and come on, dance play it. I'm like, oh... <laughs> and then like and Public Enemy number one came out I'm like oh oh that's horrible you know I was just oh I do like two other songs off that album though but that, oh. I just can't get into it you know? I love Public Enemy number oh, one I always hate it too I, I think Come On and Dance is better oh <laughs> no that's horrible that song. see I, I love Come On and Dance you like it. it you like all of it I do I do and I, I especially like love Starry Eyes Oh, I, do uh, like, I, I don't get the love for that song. Everyone fucking loves that song. I do like Starry Eyes. It's so unique and weird and kind of sexy and fun. I love that song. Right. Yeah. So, Mick, what do you? How do you feel about the like the original leather version of that album? The leather um, version. I mean, it's good. Like, I really dig it. But of course, I mean, I grew up with the other ones. So, and that's the one I've mm-hmm. heard most of my life. So, I I like that one probably better. The electric version. Yeah, I'd probably yeah. go with the leather version because I like Livewire going into Public Enemy number one and pushing Come On and Dance towards the end because I right. really like that song. <laughs> so, uh, but it works. Well, this is the thing. The early 90s, like everyone kind of acts like nowadays they look at it and they go, oh, it was like there was hair metal and then Nirvana came. You know? Right. And especially if you were around at that time, you knew like, between 89 and 91 it was a little more complicated and there was this really great period a period that maybe it's my formative years of getting into music i was in like junior high so like this is when i first really start to get into bands is it's a really great period and i recall like there was this picture i used in that video uh when we discussed this where it shows it's obviously on the ozzy osbourne no more no more tours tour it's Faith No More is opening up for them, and they're also playing Metallica, or James Hetfield showed up. I don't know the exact story behind that picture, but in this picture behind stage is James Hetfield, Faith No More, Mike Patton, Jim Martin, and Ozzy Osbourne. They're, like, all hanging out. 
And there's something about this picture that kind of captures the very early 90s to me and everything right. I really love about it. It's like before it became this conversation about like grunge versus hair metal and stuff like people kind of forget there was this period where people were getting over hair metal and just getting into kind of more experimental interesting metal and it, there was a lot of different stuff going on thrash was peaking metallica had the black album you know faith no more was out there was a lot of different stuff going on there was grunge on the horizon alice in chains facelift there's you know guns and roses were very big during this period motley crew was still big it's a really cool period yeah and and i feel that this album that we're going to be talking about uh tonight is kind of an album that really represents this period and bridge Mm-hmm. It's a perfect bridge, you know, no more. And I felt like the, even the album before it, No Rest for the Wicked, was kind of the beginning of this bridge. Yeah. And kind of, it's like what we were saying about Doc and with Back for the Attack, like a song like Heaven Sent is kind of the bridge from hair metal to grunge. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what Ozzy was doing with Zach Wilde with uh, No Rest for the Wicked and this album, I feel is also likewise kind of a bridge between like hair metal grunge a lot of stuff going on so i feel like it's kind of a rosetta stone for all these different shades of metal happening like you could be into pearl jam and like this album you could be into metallica and like this album you could be yeah. into motley Crue and like this album mm-hmm. you know you Great could point. yeah it's a kind of album that i felt feel kind of represents everything that was really cool about the early 90s before like the record labels came in and MTV and decided to separate everything kind of right. simplify everything right yeah so when I listen to this album it just makes me think about what an awesome time period 1991 was right. you know how, and yeah I'm, I'm sorry I'm yeah. no I was just in how it's just like a lot anything kind of went in the yeah. very very early 90s you could do a lot of shit it's close it was close to kind of what the 70s was like where you could just do a lot of different styles of music yeah yeah and what were you saying Mick? i was just gonna say like earlier when i was riding around listening to this that's one of the things that like i thought of you know because this is 1991 the tail end of 91 i think yeah. this came out in like september or whatever but it's just kind of like just think if the 90s could have carried on like that how great the 90s could have been yeah, I, I feel like if it just kind of kept on going that way and kind of embraced just great songs, great musicianship, innovation, instead of right. like making it about like, and it's, it's kind of what they do about fashion and stuff. In a lot of ways, what the those grunge artists, especially in the mid 90s, when you got that second wave, like I'm not talking about the original Seattle uh, groups like Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Uh, Pearl Jam that first wave those guys were even if you don't like it I do feel those guys were earnest and making the music they wanted to make mm-hmm. but then oh, yeah for sure yeah and then you had that wave afterwards though you've got your candle boxes and your creeds and your it, it's very watered simple. down fucking it's, live it's just like you had in the 80s like you have your first wave you got your Motley Crue your Rat your Dawkins Twisted yep. Sister you're more like legit grimy kind of you know melodic metal and then, but then you get your poisons and your warrants and, you know, and it, it gets softened and more commercial. And there's people that are just kind of following what they need to do to get record deals, you know? Right. Yeah. And then out of that, you get your tricksters and your Nelsons. Oh, oh, oh then, yeah, that's oh, third trickster. Third bag. I remember my, my uncle, uh, my uncle Dan, because he's in the, he, he plays guitar, he's like in the metal. Uh, my uncle Dan, he, uh, he mentioned like uh, 
I think like Trickster was playing on the radio one day. He's like, oh, I remember I took your aunt Debbie. That was like our first date. We we saw this band. I'm like, you saw Trickster? He's like, no, we saw the Scorpions and Trickster was opening. I'm like, oh, thank God. All right. You know, I, I would have been very disappointed in you. All right. Do you think do you think bands like Trickster ever thought they were going to be like headlining stadiums, or do you think they were kind of real about what they were? I think they totally felt they were like the next Led Zeppelin. Yeah, <laughs> I think so, yeah. man. You know what I mean? Like, when, fuck it, and here we go. Oh my God, Kiss, the first one. But when Kiss, when Kiss takes you out on the revenge tour as an opening act, yeah, you're probably going to think we're the next Led Zeppelin. Our next album's going to be Houses the Holy. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I remember I, I saw like uh, I saw this video and it was like Trickster live. I saw I only made it through like maybe like a minute of it, uh, but god damn, I just remember seeing their fucking drummer with his stupid little headset. Like he looked oh. like a yeah, he looked like he rode the fucking short bus. You know, he looked like fucking Terrence. <laughs> he looked like Terrence in that air drumming videos. Oh, oh god, it's no. <laughs> fucking horrible. I was like, this band sucks. The fucking singer had like a flannel, like short shorts on. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but you know what's I, I, funny though with that is that Trickster is better than most of the bands Terrence listens to. Yeah, that is that's <laughs> but true. That's, that's not saying much. It's like you know if you got Sunny D in your refrigerator and the only other options are like some some flat soda and like your grandma's piss. Of course you're going to. <laughs> it doesn't make it a good fucking drink. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot of options. So that's in the early nineties. Like that's the thing is, like if you wanted to listen to shit music, there were shit music options. Right. <laughs> there was lots of shit, <laughs> but there was just a lot of shit going on musically. It was across the board. It you was. Know? And it's a, it a really neat time period. You know, to yeah, and that's why I love that that picture. That picture of just James Hetfield, Faith Demora, Ozzy, a fuck, young MCs even in that picture. And what? It's, wow. It's very, it's very random, <laughs> but in a way that even that kind of sums things up. It's just like it was just a very loose time. It's like you know mm-hmm. when Anthrax and Public Enemy did that you know uh, song together. Oh, Prince yeah. was doing like Batman and Diamond and Pearls. Yeah, I I just really love that whole period. I think it's I a very interesting period musically. It sounds a lot like the 70s where, like, you know, there really wasn't, like, a division. There was a lot of different styles of music, but everyone got along. There wasn't no really competition. You know, right. it sounds like the 90s were going to be that way, but then everyone just started, like, making this, you know, started trying to create a war between all the different types of music. Yeah, and it's like, ultimately, they wanted, like, hey, white boys, put on a flannel, you like grunge. And, you know, and then we got gangster rap for the, you know, for everyone else. And it's just like, it just divided <laughs> things up. It's just like, it's gangster or grunge, gangster or grunge. And then before you know it, the pop bands come in the late 90s and the boy bands and the girl oh. bands. And it's like, it's like the corporations take over. Like, ah, ha, ha, we, we divided you right. and then we conquered you. And now it's just going to be pop shit for the next 25 years. Yeah. But All there right. was a move. There was a period near very, very early 90s where, like, the lunatics were running the asylum for about a year or two. And music was really interesting and innovative. And, again, I feel this album. And I think this album has some flaws. I don't think it's a perfect Ozzy album. But, yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, But I do like it. I will say this. I am a fan of this album. Uh, I'd say it's my fifth favorite Ozzy Osbourne album. Interesting. Yeah, I I would put every '80s album ahead of this, except for the Ultimate Sin. I actually think it has a slight edge on that album. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, 
I would definitely put the first three and definitely no well no rest I'm a big fan of that's my second favorite Ozzy love album. That album right yeah. I love it too man yeah that's my second favorite Ozzy album after Diary of Man Man um, but this 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 is my fifth favorite but I got to I do feel like maybe it could have been higher if they did a few things differently but I know we'll we'll get into it I but mm-hmm. I do really like this album a lot I do I, even if I don't think it's a perfect album. It represents a certain period of music I like. I think it's it's my the last Ozzy album I really like. I I know Mick mm. you like a lot of his stuff even up to the recent one. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say that I like a lot of the stuff because you know like after studying this because when you all like uh, hit me up with this episode was it yeah like, last night I think you know I, yeah. was, I got I got I mean I know this album but I've got to study it you know I got to brush up on it and I said you're listening to this and then well kind of like what you were saying I really feel that this was the last classic sounding Ozzy album you know and everything past that like I kind of figured it out last night and I never realized this before it's kind of like I kind of feel like the next one Osmosis even though dude when I was coming up and in my era Osmosis was a huge fucking album everybody in my school had that but, but, you know, it's kind of like Osmosis, uh, Down to Earth, pretty good. And it's just kind of on and off with every release afterwards, so. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think it kind of represents the end of an era. Like, it does. I, I said this yeah. in my Ozzy Osbourne Halloween special video, uh, even though I didn't get a chance to talk about this album, because technically it was a 90s album, and I was right. just talking about 80s albums. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, because uh, so, I wanted to talk about this album. But right. it's... It's this is kind of the last album of that run. I feel like this is more connected to the '80s albums than his subsequent albums for a lot yeah. of reasons. It's it's got Bob Daisley. It's the last time Bob oh, yeah. Daisley on it, but not just as a bassist, but as a co-songwriter. Yeah, right. and it's also the last. Like he doesn't even really let Zach Wild write that much after this. You know, this is the last yep. time where Ozzy kind of has a band together and he's letting people in the band write a lot. It's like right. after that, he becomes more like a pop artist, where it's just like a bunch of producers and a bunch of different songwriters, and it just changes the vibe of the album and yeah. the quality of the songs, I think. You uh, totally this, nailed that. Yeah. Yep. This, this is the last time it's like a band is writing songs for Ozzy. Right. Yeah. You know, and with this release, you know, because you have the bands that existed before the 90s, you know, you got the 80s bands, bands in the 70s, and they all, all kind of had a sound, you know, the 70s and 80s bands, they all had a sound, and then once you look around like Motley Crue, Ozzy, lots of those older artists, it's like once 1994 and on hit, these bands hit a very weird era to where they kind of don't sound like they used to. And I feel like they felt that they had to compete against the grunge movement, the industrial movements. And it altered everybody's sounds pretty much the rest of the careers. Yeah, with yeah. maybe like the exception of like ACDC or Motorhead. Yeah, except for them, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it totally. And that's the thing, like every Ozzy album after this sounds like you know exactly when he recorded it because it has right. every <laughs> musical trend of that moment. Right, and, and, yeah. and some of them work, and some of them don't. No. Yeah, I'll be honest. I haven't really did. I haven't done a big deep dive in his post osmosis 
material. I've listened to all the stuff and the singles from the, those albums and have never really been crazy about it. So I just never like the actually the last album of his that I own is Osmosis. So wow. yeah, so I should I should kind of just because I love Ozzy so much, I'm such a big Sabbath fan. Out of respect, right. I should kind of give them all another shot again. So I probably will do that after this episode. But I could tell you, I I just from what I've heard, I know I don't like any of the albums as right. much as this one or the ones from the eighties. Well, I know Ralph Fiera, Doctor Fuck, yeah, and, like he will totally agree with me on this. That Scream is a great Ozzy Osbourne album. I still gotta give that album a chance. That was the t- that was when I saw him on tour. Was on the Scream tour because oh, I saw nice. him. Ironically, I saw him at Ozfest with uh, Motley Crue, who we were talking about earlier, and a uh, 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 little metal singer uh, by the name of uh, Mr. Robert Halford. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, Halford Solo. Oh, Halford Solo, man, he fucking killed it. But yeah, that was my first time seeing Ozzy. Obviously, he only played like one song from Scream, and I just remember me and my dad were a little upset at first at that concert, because we found out Zach Wilde wasn't going to be playing guitar with him. Cause that was a Gus G, right? It was Gus G, but uh, I mean, Gus G was pretty good, man, but I still uh, I would prefer to see Zach Wilde, man. I, I'm a huge Zach fan, and he, he seems to be like, man, he, that guy, like, I've noticed really, like, a lot of people, like, hate Zach Wilde, or just really don't like him. Yeah. And he's always been yeah. one of my, uh, I, I, for me, it's Randy and then Zach, as Not far that. as, like, his, like, Ozzy solo guitarist, like, I definitely... Zach's right underneath Randy Rhodes. You know, I, I put him above Jakey Lee. Ooh. You, I don't think Mick would, right? Isn't Jakey mm-hmm. Lee your second favorite? Jakey Lee's definitely my second, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of bounce between the two. Obviously, Randy's my favorite, but I do bounce yeah. between, uh, if we're talking solo Ozzy, obviously, Tony Iommi would be my favorite guitarist that played with him. Yeah. But if yeah. we're talking solo Ozzy... Uh, I these days I probably go with Jakey Lee actually. Uh, although Zach is probably a little more distinct, like he's a little more original, I will say. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. he's a little more derivative of what Randy was doing. But I just kind of like the sound a little bit more. I know I get you know the thing, Eric. You know why people don't like um, Zach Wild? It's because he really overdoes the pitch from. I, I always love that. Yeah, my, my dad, that's like his favorite guitarist. His favorite guitarist is actually his cool. favorite band, cool. Black that's... Label Society. I fucking, yeah, so I, I love that pinch harmonic. You know, I love knowing when he does that. It, it's like, oh, that's Zach. That's Zach. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, but I think me and Mick are kind of stumbling on the same thing here. <laughs> right, it's right. Cool, but he's just like, kind of like, just chill out a bit, Zach. When Come you. On. We were playing Sweet Leaf, and it sounds like, bam, 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 wah, 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 you know, it's like, oh, no, no, no that's not how it goes. <laughs> it's almost like a parody at times. Right. Like, yeah. like, a parody of pitch harmonics. <laughs> and, and then there's the whole kind of pseudo-biker Duck Dynasty thing. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, he's like a dude from Jersey, basically, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, he yeah. started off as like a southern, southern rock guy. Yeah, you know, and with I think the Confederate people, flags and like the, yeah. the bell bottoms, and now he's like this biker Viking person. 
Yeah, so right. I feel like people think he's posing a bit. I don't know. Like I said, I can't say. I don't know him personally or anything like that, so I can't say. I'm not going to, you know, say whether or not he's posing or not. I think he's a, he's a great guitarist. I agree. He he overdoes the pitch harmonics a little bit, but he's a great guitarist. He has a lot of style. I like Black yes. Label Society. Uh, I, their albums, after a while, do start to kind of all wash over. Like, they all yes. kind of wash out together after a while. Right. Um, I love that first one. Uh, that first one's really good. Right. Where he actually Mafia. Goes, uh, Mafia's my favorite. I'll tell you Mafia. what, dude, like, uh, the latest one that came out last year, like, late, really just a couple months ago, Doom Crew. Um, I got that on vinyl. Uh, it's good. And, uh, dude, it sounds fucking good. And I'm like, why couldn't have this been the new Ozzy album? I know, right? It's such like, a wasted opportunity. Right. Like, I hear it, and I'm like, I mean, I love Zach's voice. He's great. But I'm like, I would really have rather heard this be Ozzy. Shit. Well, he uh, Zach has a his voice is um, kind of similar to Ozzy in a way. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's got a lot of Ozzy like kind of in his voice. Yeah, it's Absolutely. a little like it mixed with some John Fogerty. He's got like this southern. He's like a southern uh, Greg Allman. Yeah, right. Ozzy. And but, he yeah, even kind of got that '90s yeah, 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 a little bit of Layden Staley in <laughs> there too Stanley. as well. Yeah, yeah you can tell yeah. he really loves Alice in Chains. Yeah, there's a lot of influence. Hey, I like Zach Wild. I like uh, you know Black Label Society. But ideally, I mean, even this, like, as much as I like Black Label Society, and even though this is my fifth favorite solo Ozzy album, I still like it better than any Black Label Society album. To oh, me, hands down. Yeah, there's just a the songs. There's just and Bob Daisley. I mean, me and Mick both love Bob Daisley. This guy's so underrated. Great Dude. bassist, such a great songwriter. It, right. Yeah. And here's the thing with Bob Daisley: is everybody always? I don't mean any disrespect with this, but everybody's always jocking the dick of Randy Rhodes, and rightfully so. Randy Rhodes was amazing, but without Bob Daisley, Ozzy's solo career would not have happened. It took no, Randy he, and Bob uh, both. Because Randy wrote those cool riffs, but Bob Daisley wrote those fucking lyrics. It's mm-hmm. like Tony and Geezer Butler. You know, right. that's the thing. He's it, Yeah, Bob Daisley's the Geezer Butler. He's yep. laying down great bass lines and writing awesome lyrics. Yep. You know, that's exactly what Geezer did. Uh, but, it, but what's special about this album, and of course I gotta talk about this because Motorhead's my favorite band, uh, in addition to Bob Daisley co-writing a lot of songs, you actually have Lemmy himself coming in right. and writing, yeah. the lyri- writing the lyrics to four songs, one of which was the biggest hit on the album. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a really interesting time for Lemmy where he was being, rep- he was being represented by Sharon Osbourne as well. That's hard and, to believe. Yeah, yeah. It didn't last long. <laughs> but it makes sense when you realize it when you realize that this is the period where he wrote four songs on this album uh, and also March or Die right like, you kind of hear like okay obviously Lemmy is being influenced by Sharon Osbourne and and you know he's trying to be a little more commercial than he's ever been before It's a, it was a few years after he moved to LA for the first time but he got right. that, his famous place that's right you know that was right behind the rainbow so I think, like, Lemmy was in a place where he was at a certain age. He was, like, middle age. He's like, I'm living in L.A. now. And fuck it, I want some money. But <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I wouldn't say he's selling out, but he was like, no. opening his mind to being maybe a little more commercial than he had been. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, 1916, March or Die, 
and the stuff he, he did on this album, it definitely showed a Lemmy that was more commercially inclined than he had yeah. ever before or after. Right. Yeah. But then he decided, uh, fuck it. And he, like, he, he, and I don't know, maybe behind the scenes, like Sharon and, you know, and him butt heads or something. But it's like after, after this album and March or Die, Lemmy was left Sharon, at, you know, like no longer, Sharon was no longer his manager. And then he, you know, did Bastards and Sacrifice. Right. I was going to say, <laughs> Bastards was that album. You can tell because on Bastards, Lemmy's pissed. Yeah, you could tell. He's like, fuck it. I'm not going right. to go off. I'm We're going to be Motorhead. I'm going to be yeah. Lemmy. We're going to be Mo- Motorhead. Fuck everything else. But it, but it just showed you that Lemmy, and we'll talk more about this, especially when we get to Mama, I'm Coming Home. But it just shows you that Lemmy was the type of songwriter that he could write a hit. Yeah, this guy, you know. Right. And it's you know, it's it's not just that's one of the things I love about Motorhead, is that they're not just heavy, that and they have that great raw sound and Lemmy's voice and the fuzzy bass and all that shit. Lemmy's a crackerjack songwriter. And I always knew from the first album. He could write a tune. There's a tunefulness to Motorhead that even though they're heavy, you can tell that this is a dude that likes the Beatles. You know. Right. Yeah, yeah. fucking little Richard and yeah. early rock and roll. Exactly, and there's a little bit like so. That's what it takes to be able to write a song like you know, Mama, I'm coming home. But, Absolutely. Yeah. So so anyway, so that's you know. So Lemmy definitely he wrote four songs. It's funny he one one thing he said Lemmy made more money off of Mama, I'm coming home as a songwriter than he made for the entire Motorhead discography. That's that's so insane to think that. I know. Yeah. Do you think Ace of Spades would have made him a ton of money? Not as, that's always pretty popular. But not in America, that's the thing. In America, it's more of a cult following. And in England, right. yes, yeah, that album was huge. But in America, like, remember, you know, Ralph Vieira talks about, like, Ace of Spades, like, when it came out, like, it was just some, something he stumbled upon. Like, no one was listening to it in America. Right. Uh, because didn't, I mean, I know we all fucking have heard the story, but Ralph seen the first Motorhead show in the U.S., yeah, yeah, and and like he said, only a couple British guys in the audience knew who they were. Right, like they were right. one of the biggest bands in England, but in America, it was like a drop in the bucket. No one knew who Motorhead was. Right. So, uh, so even though like we all you know love Motorhead and everyone now knows Ace of Spades, even in the early '80s, they were not crossing over and making money in America in any big way. Right. But this song. Uh, Mama, I'm coming home. You know, it was a huge song in the early '90s. So he made more money off of that song than anything else he ever did in his life. Yeah, crazy. crazy. It is crazy. It's very crazy. You know, and because well, okay, so let's uh, so Mick, uh, you're you're a huge Ozzy fan. We're talking about Ozzy here. Yeah. So, so where where would you put this album? No more tears. Oh, my ranking. Okay, I'm gonna give you my ranking up to this point. Number one, easily Diary of a Madman. Science. Yeah. And in some cases, in some cases, because I've been asked this by numerous people, Nick, in your opinion, what is the greatest album of the 1980s? And every time I get asked that, the number one album that pops in my head is Diary of a Madman. So Stop I'd go there. with Diary of a Madman, Bark at the Moon, Blizzard of Oz, Ultimate Sin, uh, no rest for the wicked. No more tears. So number okay. six. Okay, I'd go with. Uh, I agree. Diary of Madman's my favorite. 
I'd say my second, uh, No Rest for The Wicked is my second favorite. Ooh, yeah, I really like love that. that. Yeah, I really love that album. My third would, my third would be Blizzard of Oz. Fourth would be Bark at the Moon. Then this one, I would give the edge on, um, Ultimate Sin. Although I do really like Ultimate Sin. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I, I think this just has, I would say it edges it out by like a song or two. But they're kind of close, gotcha. the two albums. And what do you think, Eric? Hey, I'm back. Sorry, I had to I had to pour myself another drink, and then Bobby so, Glasser came to my door <laughs> asking for fucking money again. <laughs> oh, dude, please tell me you're kicking the curb. Yeah, yeah, I told him to get the fuck out of here. And uh, yeah, so we were saying, uh, me and Mick were running down like our top six favorite uh, Ozzy albums. So where would you, this fall? Where would you put this in? Like, what's what's your ranking from oh, from like the first album to this album? You don't have to include the albums afterwards. Oh man, um, so the, the funny thing is, when we had to do this review, I actually had not listened to this album in a very long time, except for select songs, I hadn't heard yeah. this album in like a long time, um, obviously I'll save my opinion on what I think about it, you know, revisiting it after a while, you know, for the review, but I would have to say, upon listening to it the past uh, couple weeks, I would definitely put it, uh... I'd, probably, I'd actually put it at number four. I'd ooh, put it above ooh. Ultimate Sin. Uh, obviously, right. number, one's, number one for me, obviously, Diary of a Madman. You, you can't go of wrong course. with that album. We all agree with that, so that's science. Yeah. Edwin said it's science. It totally is. That's oh, yeah. That's yeah. science right there. But, uh, yeah, it'd be uh, Diary, Blizzard, No Rest of the Wicked, uh, this album, and then um, uh, so you, you would put this Ultimate over- Sin. You'd put this over Bark at the Moon. Bark, oh, fuck, I forgot Bark at the Moon. God damn it. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. Um, yeah, I Bark at the Moon would probably be... i put that number four, then No More Tears, okay. and then Ultimate gotcha. Sin. I oh, used that's, to really that's, not that's like essentially, it. That's, that's close, close to my ranking. That's where I put it. I used to not like Bark at the Moon, not because it had bad songs, because oh. I used to hate the production on it, but... Really? More recently, though, I've grown to really like it. But there's still some songs that are like, like slow down. Holy shit, that song is horrible. Yeah, Dude, I, I, I lo- too much. I evil. love, I love slow down. <laughs> I love uh, it. <laughs> I want to tell yeah. Don Harry to slow down with those fucking keyboards. Jesus. Oh, I um, love it. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan myself, but <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's got a charm right. to it, but it's not really for me. Right. Um, but I do love that al- album. Uh, it's a cool. I mean, it has m- probably my favorite Ozzy song. Ooh, uh, right. wait, waiting for darkness. Good Ooh. song. Yeah. Man, that song is a masterpiece. I agree. Yeah. I like Rock and Roll Rebel a lot too. That's me cool. too. Yeah, I think um, I think top to bottom, Bark at the Moon is perfection, dude. It's cool. it's it's definitely one of my favorite Halloween albums. I That's a listen. fun. You nailed it. Album. Yeah. Every yeah. year I've got you know like um like you know like the fall starting to set in. The days are getting shorter. The leaves are starting to fall. Bark yeah. at the Moon is always one of my go-to fall Halloween albums. Bark at the Moon, Abigail, and then I also like to drive around and listen to like uh, Scary Stories by Mr. Nightmare on YouTube. Those are like uh, three things I'll be listening to at Halloween season driving around, man. Awesome. Mine are like uh, Bark at Ozzy Osbourne, Bark at the Moon, Kiss Creatures of the Night. Ooh. Uh, what else? Uh, Blue Oyster Cult, Fire of an Unknown Origin. I think those Ooh, are my... 
You're right. Those, and oh, uh, Ghost Opus Eponymous. Those are my top favorite nice. Halloween albums. Yeah. All right, we should just let's get into this. Yeah, let's jump into this this uh, this album. Right, because this is going to be a five hour episode. <laughs> 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 yeah. So Mick or. Dick, Mr. Dick Twalkins, you right. are a esteemed guest. Why don't you take the lead-off track, Mr. Tinker Train? Oh, man, Mr. Tinker Train. All right, so I'm sitting here looking at my vinyl copy that I just got, the vinyl reissue. I got it for Christmas. And, man, Mr. Tinker Train, to me, this album kicks off. It's classic Ozzy Osbourne. Amazing song. I'm sitting here reading the lyrics while I'm listening to this tune. And it's just, like I said, it's classic Ozzy. He's talking about this guy, Mr. Tinker Train. He's such a sleazy, perverse character. Classic Ozzy. I mean, that's all I got to say, dude. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. I really love just uh, uh, when the lyrics kick in to a certain part. Well, I would have to pull out the fucking lyrics. I just think it's a great <laughs> song. Love it. No, all right, I'll go next. I love this song, too. It's fucking awesome. One of the best right. songs on the album. Great way to open it up. It's all creepy and mental. And, you know, there's a few places on this album where I feel like Ozzy's being a little like Alice Cooper. And, yeah. Which is not a bad yes. thing, but this is like one of them. But it, it's it's really great. It's really catchy. You know, it was one of the singles, and you can understand why. It's a really catchy song. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also love that... You know, like that bridge where it gets kind of like prog rockish. Yeah, it, it it's reminds, kind of like a mellow part. Yeah, it gets kind of mellow in the sense, and they do the harmonies, and that kind of reminds me. And I know Mick loves this shit. It kind of it's like technical ecstasy kind of Sabbath. Ooh, I and can. Yeah, it, you get a lot of that throughout this album. I feel like there's a little more of like this feels like Ozzy's kind of in that headspace where it's a little more beetle beetle esque. It's a little prog in spots. It's a little like technical ecstasy Sabbath, and uh, it's really cool. I really like it a lot, and you know, great guitar work from Zach Wild. And I like also, I like that after like the first chorus, it goes back to the verse, but it gets like real soft for a second. Yeah, and it's kind of yeah, it's kind of soft and and like sensual and mischievous, and then kicks back into it. And right. I really dig it. Uh, it's a really cool song with a little, a lot of little musical curveballs thrown throughout. It's awesome opening and it's great it's one of the best songs on the album all right and that's one thing that i'd like to add quickly you know like it starts off pretty slow you know kind of slow kind of dreary i'm I'm looking at the lyrics right now and he's like would you like some sweeties little girl come a little bit closer i'm gonna show you a brand new world tonight and then when it kicks in fully with the i've got a place full of fantasy that gives me goosebumps yeah i fucking love when it fully kicks in it charges you up, and the it Zach sounds great. The guitar kicks in at that moment. I love that moment too. It just really, it just charges you up. It pumps you up. Right. What What do you think of it, Air? Oh man. Well, I remember when I first, like, you know, as a little kid, when I first heard this album, I saw that title. I'm like, Mister Tinker Train. What kind of fucking fruity shit is that? But man, <laughs> this song kicks ass. Um, I it love does. the creepy little intro, man. What a great way to open an album. You know, it's that creepy intro with the kids and stuff. Kind of reminds me of the opening of Streets of Rock Opera by Sabotage. Um, man, great fucking killer tune. My favorite song off the fucking album. Nice. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, just a fucking cool song, man. And yeah, I get chills too, man, when Ozzy yeah. does that part when he starts off. You know, just oh, his voice on that is phenomenal. And you know, yeah, Ozzy's not technically the greatest fucking singer, but you know, fuck the Ozzy haters, man. That guy's got a fucking awesome voice. It's unique. Right. Uh, yeah, I love the song. I love like the you know, you know, right before the chorus kicks in, like kind of you can hear some acoustic guitar like underneath, you know. Uh, Zach's guitar playing kicks ass, and uh, I love his background vocals. You can clearly hear his background vocals on this, especially towards the end of the song, because uh, he's got kind of that more southern Ozzy meets Dwayne All- uh, Greg Allman or whatever voice. Right. Uh, just a phenomenal song, and ironically enough, you know this is one of the singles off the album. They never played this live, and I'm kind of upset because I would love to hear this live. Yeah, I feel like it would have I mean, really uh, worked well, especially as a opener. great opener for the yeah. right. tour. That's what I was going to say. On this tour, just think of that little beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're sitting out in the crowd, pounding back a couple MGDs, smoking a couple doobies, and all of a yeah. sudden you hear that fucking sound, the little, what's like a jack-in-the-box or something being cranked yeah, up. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it, yeah. And then it kicks right into this. That would have been amazing. Exactly. Yeah, real missed opportunity. Definitely should have been the tour opener. I got, I'm glad right. you brought it up, Eric. One last thing I forgot to talk about. I really like also the end. The song kind of keeps changing. Keeps, kind of keeps, it's very interesting. It just keeps mm-hmm, you know, right. changing. Yeah, but, those mild changes. I, I love like the, the, the little backing vocals, like the callback things. That's what they call They call it. Yeah. Dude. And you can clearly hear that Zach Wild. Cause it's yeah. Like, it yeah. sounds like Ozzy, but it's like slightly different. I always love it. It's like what we said about the gang vocals, like going back for the attack. Like I just love when you get like gang vocal callbacks. It's like an old soul song. Like Van Halen used to do that shit. Yeah. And, and you know they say one thing, and then Ozzy says something. They say one thing, Ozzy says something. It's a great way to end the song. You know, it's just Hell yeah. really. I love it. All right. And you want to get into what do you think of the next track? I don't want to change the world, Eric. Oh man, I love uh, I love this song. I like how it kind of I don't know if they did this on purpose, but the way it begins, it just immediately jumps from Mr. Tinker Train to I Don't Want to Change the World. It kind of reminds me of the opening of the album Sabotage, where it goes Ooh. right from uh, it goes right from Hole in the Sky to that uh, you know Don't Start Too Late. It yeah. kind of reminds me of yeah. that. So I don't know if that was done on purpose or not, but I love this song, man, and uh, I. Like, this song was one of the songs from this album that he played live when I saw him. And man, I'll, you, you ever been to a concert and there's just that that moment? It's usually like sometimes in the middle of the show where it's just like you have that ultimate high. You're just looking around, man. No matter what life is like before you entered that show or no matter what life you're going to after, whatever's going on in your life, at that moment in that show, just the music's hitting you. You're looking around. There's all these people that are just like you loving music you know loving metal and you just you feel like at peace with the world that was when ozzy played the song at that show man i felt that man you know i was in high school you know me and my friends we weren't popular i was the kid with the long hair listening to heavy metal music when everyone's a swag kid or an emo kid you know you know, it's just like, you know, I still had school to go to, still getting through life, but man, at that moment, man, he played this song, and I'm listening to those lyrics, and I'm looking around, all these cool, cool guys, just like me, banging their heads, you know, living in the moment, that was just like the ultimate high, man, that was a fucking awesome show, and I'm, this song hit, like, the steel version doesn't hit the same way that 
it did when I hear it live, but still fucking good. I love the fucking lyrics for it. Uh, the little metal, uh, mellow section right in the middle kind of reminds me of the Beatles. I know, Ed, when you mentioned that about Mr. Tinker Train, because Ozzy was pretty influenced by the Beatles, so I love this song, man. And uh, this is one of the first ones that's co-written by the great Lemmy Kilmeister. Right. Yeah, I, I love this fucking song, man. Great, great kind of one-two punch to open up this album. I fucking love it. All uh, right. Yeah. So, um, Edwin, why don't you why don't you take uh, why don't you take this song? What what you think of? I don't want to change the world. Well, I don't want to change this song because it's my favorite song on the album. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love this fucking song. Yeah. And it's you know it's one of those songs that you know Mick. It's like how we love Trial by Fire. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. It's one of those songs. It's more than just a song. It's an anthem. It's a lifestyle. Right. It's how I live my life. Right. You know? It's a way of life. It's a way of life, and it's yeah. so catchy and fun. And everything I love about rock and roll music mm-hmm. is in this song. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense that Lemmy wrote these lyrics because it's how Lemmy yeah. lived his life. Yeah. And, and it's funny because we were, like I said, during this transitional period where you kind of had the hair metal, and especially by the late '80s, a lot of that stuff was fluff. But then, you know, Pearl Jam and all these other bands, you know, there'd be a certain level of self-importance, and right. and you had that going on where people were all trying to change the world, and you have your bands like U2 and stuff like that, oh. and, and this is like, you know, this is like, to me, this is the perfect sweet spot where there's substance to it, but yet at the same time, it's fun, it's rock and roll, and it's like, hey, we're, we don't have delusions of grandeur here, I, I'm right. not going to change the fucking world. But I can't change my own life to be awesome, and I'll do that. I'll just have an awesome life. And there you go. Life, yep. life affirming. It's fun. It's catchy. You brought up Eric that cool like uh, middle part of the song, the bridge where it's a little Beatles-esque, which you yeah. see a lot of that off this album. In a lot of ways, like I don't know, has Ozzy ever like said like what his favorite album is? Because I feel like. This feels like a lot of the stuff on it. This is like, because Ozzy always talked about how he loved the Beatles and wanted to create mm-hmm. a Sgt. Pepper. Like, I feel like this is the closest to that. Like, this mm-hmm. is the closest to him creating something that's kind of like his Beatles album. There's a lot of Beatles-esque uh, elements on this album. Uh, yeah, it's, so, yeah, I'm not sure, but there is. I could definitely see this being like the one he's maybe most proud of, because... Yeah, it has that side more so than a lot of his other albums, and it makes sense too because you know Lemmy had a hand in his in the writing, and Lemmy likewise was a Beatles fan. But yeah, it just it's, it's it feels like this is like if Ozzy could make any kind of music, I feel like he'd be making this album more than anything else. This feels mm-hmm. the most yeah. genuine, close to what he's into, and yeah, this song is just really. I think this song could have. Been, I, they had a lot of singles from this album. I think this could have been a, another single. It's really catchy. Well, and I think wasn't this a single off of the live and loud album? I was yeah, gonna I say yeah, probably, the, I think it the was. live version. What's the live version of single? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was. They had a video for it. Okay, well there you go. Okay, it's a live version. I guess that counts, you know. Uh, right. So yeah, this this really catchy song. I love it. My favorite song on the album. What do you think about it, Mick Watkins? I mean, after you guys just fucking burning it up right there. I mean, I don't really have much to add. Except for, I mean, it's an amazing song. It's classic Ozzy Osbourne. You got Mr. Tinker Train. I don't want to change the world. Two for two. So far, this album's on fire. It's just great lyrics. And like you said, you know, it's kind of like Ozzy, you know, looking around at the world around him. You got 
Pearl Jams and the um, all these bands are talking about self-importance and you know you you know like Bono and U2 wanting to change the world and everything and Ozzy's kind of looking at that just taking a hot steamy shit on it and saying you know <laughs> I I don't want to change the world I just want to be fucking Ozzy Osbourne and rock I mean it's it's a great song and it's classic Ozzy Osbourne. The last time I seen Ozzy live was in 2017 at Louder Than Life here in Louisville, Kentucky, and they did this song. It was one of the first couple of songs they played, nice. and and that night Ozzy he comes out. I, I believe they open with I don't know or Park at the Moon, one of the two. But Ozzy came out and he was really struggling. You could uh, tell that he was not doing good that night. Yeah. And you, you know, and you love him so much, and you're just watching it, and you're like, I feel bad for him. And then after one of the songs, he's like, I'm sorry, everybody, I don't feel good, you know. And he goes off stage. Zach Wild does like a crazy 15 minute solo. Ozzy comes back out somehow, nails the fucking show. And this song always kind of reminds me of that, you know. Just Ozzy totally killed it. It's a classic fucking song. And, you know, we got the songwriting credits of Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Wilde, Lemmy Kilmeister, and a dude that should be talked about on this, getting his second songwriting credit so far, Randy Castillo. Yeah, he's got on quite this. a lot on this album, actually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent, very underrated drummer. Amazing of drummer. He, right. Of course, he joined Motley Crue later on, one of my favorite albums, New Tattoo. Randy Castillo was a fucking beast. And... I just want to say it right now, with this band of Ozzy, Zach, Randy, and Bob Daisley, besides that Blizzard Diary lineup, this might be Ozzy's best fucking band. It was a good band, and he is yeah. a great drummer. I believe, uh, right. I think he, he even, like, he did a lot of session work throughout the 80s and 90s, and he, he, did, a lot of he did a lot of work with Lita. Right, yeah. Lita Ford, yeah. And he joined yeah. Motley later on. Yeah. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, and he's got a lot. He's on, almost on every song. So obviously they put together... It uh, sounds like they really created the music. The band created the music on these albums. And then yes. Lemmy came in and helped with the lyrics on some songs. And Bob Daisley kind of did the lyrics. Right. That's what it sounds like. At least that's what I would surmise from the way the credits are. Yeah. And just think of that lyrical genius of Bob Daisley and Lemmy. Yeah, two great lyricists. Like there you two go. of the greatest lyricists of our time. Yeah, and this is a good segue into what do you think, Mick? You think this is the big, the biggest hit from the album? Oh, uh, classic Aussie ballad, "Mama, I'm Coming Home." What do you think of this one, dude? One thing that I've always loved about Ozzy Osbourne, Ozzy Osbourne is always one of my favorite artists of all time. Whether it be Sabbath or solo, "Mama, I'm Coming Home." Ozzy Osbourne, some of his strongest, uh, one of his biggest strengths, I think, has always been his ballads, man. And all, like Ozzy's the king of ballads, and this might very well be his greatest ballad. I mean, we've all grown up and have heard this all over classic rock radio millions of times, and I never get tired of the song. It's a beautiful song. It's perfectly written. I mean, it's. Fuck. It's a classic. It's a classic. That's all I got, Brian. That's all I got. All right, I'll go, I'll go next. Now, this is the thing. You know, it's 
You know, I know you're wondering, Mick, because you know I go in oh, two no. different directions of Ozzy Bounce. Okay, right, <laughs> right, you mean, right. Oh, no. Sometimes I don't like Ozzy singing about, sometimes I do. It depends really? On... Yeah, I'm not entirely sure about Ozzy singing about, sometimes. This okay. is not the case. Yeah! Of All right. In fact, I think it's the second best ballot he's ever sung. You know, in I fact, can, yeah. the, the, I think the best ballot we didn't get to yet is also on this album. Oh, I was going to ask you. Yeah. yeah, we didn't get to it yet. Uh, but, so this this album features, I think, the two best ballots he's ever sung, and this is the second best one. Wow. Uh, so I like this better in Changes. Now, oh, I do too. I love yeah, Changes, same. don't get me wrong, but... That you know, that's not even my favorite version of the song. The Overkill version of Changes is actually my favorite version of Changes. I've never heard that. It's great. It's a great cover. Did you ever hear that version, Eric? The Overkill. No, one? is it on uh, the Cover Kill cover. album? Yeah, Cover Kill. That's yeah, one of the few. Okay. I have not checked out that uh, Overkill album yet. It's crazy. You would not think that Overkill would do the best version of Changes. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, yeah. But it's really great. It's a really great, interesting cover where like the bass is very prominent and it's really cool. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, Ozzy, like I love tonight, and uh, there are some ballads of his I do like, but some just don't work for me, you know. And but this one works. It's the songwriting, you know, like you said, Mick, just a classic song. It does something in the yep. songwriting that I really like, and this is kind of like something, again, goes back to the Beatles a bit, which I think Lemmy was taking a cue from. When, I call it like the secret chorus, like when you hit, like, uh, there's a part of a song that you think is the chorus, because it's so catchy, right? and then, and, and then later, it like takes, the, it's not until you get to halfway through the song that you realize, no, that part's just like the pre-chorus. And this other part's actually the chorus, you know, when they finally get to the the home part, and then you realize yeah. that's actually the chorus of the song, and the song plays for like two minutes before it like gets to that part, and I, I always like when that happens in a song when you're like, oh wow, it gets even catchier. Like I thought it already hit its peak of catchiness, and then it's gonna get even catchier. You know, a couple minutes later, and that's just a really crackerjack songwriting day. And, mm-hmm. and and Zach Wilde brings this like southern rock quality mm-hmm. to the guitar playing, which I really yep. kind of makes it sound like a it's like the hybrid between a Beatles and a Leonard Skinner ballad. Yeah, and it, it's it's just a very and the lyrics are great and the vibe and this is to me the kind of ballad where Ozzy nails because it's not like a. It's not like a wussy ballad. It's like a no. It's, it's like it's like I've been out on the road, a little like Motley Crue's "Home Sweet Home," you yes, know, or Aerosmith's like "Home Tonight." You know, it's that kind of it's that kind of ballad. And I always connect with those kind of ballads. Like kind of like I've been out on the road and I'm coming back home. It, it's the ballad that a man sings. Right. You know? The lyrics to this song sound so just honest. Yep. And pure, and just real. Like this is not some fluff piece. Somebody trying to get a hit. No, like no, like these lyrics are sincere. Probably mm-hmm. from Lenny and Ozzy's point of view, both. You know. Yeah, and yeah. it's a it's a perfect marriage of singing and lyrics. And I just want to say one other thing. And you were touching upon this, Eric, with how Ozzy sings. And we mm-hmm. talked a little bit about this with Don Dawkin when we did Back for the Attack. But you know, one thing I love about Ozzy, Ozzy does not sing like you know the cliches of what a heavy metal singer ha- you know how a heavy metal singer ha- you know sings right. that, that's that, that's years after Ozzy helped invent the genre 
Yeah. And like all true innovators, he himself was never the cliche. No. Ozzy does not sing like a traditional heavy metal singer. You know, and no. people like in, as much as I love, love Ronnie James Dio, Ronnie James Dio's style was easier to mimic for a lot of rock singers. You notice right. you never hear, heard that many people sound like Ozzy. Exactly. Ozzy you... was so unique. Right. He just sounds uh. like a, a bloke. He's like a bloke that right. just starts singing. Like he's very. There's just something about his personality that's so unique and so purely Ozzy to me. It's you got to think more in terms of people like Frank Sinatra or James Brown when you think of Ozzy Osbourne mm-hmm. because yeah. he transcends the genre or Johnny Cash. He's just like a unique voice that's right. unto himself. Exactly because if you ask your standard person, you know, like, what do you think a um, let's say a heavy metal singer would sound like? They would probably give you some kind of gritty, uh, you know, almost yeah. kind of like a Ronnie James Dio style voice. Yeah. And with that being said. When does Ozzy ever really use grit in his voice? Almost never. That's like never. He, he, never. he almost croons more. He's more of a right. crooner. And, and even the heaviest songs, like Hole in the Sky, System of the Universe, Bark at the Moon, there's no grit. No. No. Even when he's been, and I think Sabotage was his peak as a vocalist. I but, agree. But even then, even as heavy as he was singing on that, there was something very unique. And you can't just can't capture it. Like you know, mm-hmm. that's why he's not been imitated. There was just right. some, and that's why people say, "Oh, Ozzy!" Like these people that say, "Oh, Ozzy!" Technically, wasn't the best singer. It's like people that say the same thing about David Lee Roth. Right. It's like, don't yeah. get it. It's about the personality, you know. And right. even though when he peaked, which I, you know, we agree, sabotage, he was hitting some crazy notes on that yeah. album. Oh, just that, that like the last shit. note of "Hole in the Sky." <laughs> I, I, I can't do it justice. It's insane. It's insane what he's doing. But at the same time, it's like even when he wasn't singing at that level anymore, he still had the personality. He was right. still purely Ozzy, just in a unique voice, a unique personality. And that's what, like, there's this song, if it was, if you gave it to, a, as good as the lyrics are, if you gave the song to someone else, it just wouldn't be as special. Ozzy adds a pathos and a grit and a personality. Uh, that just gives it so much more depth, in my opinion. Right, and I would yeah. rather hear a singer that has personality than somebody that is technically a great singer. Yeah, same here, same here. I mean, so you got you people... people yeah. oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 finish what you were saying, man. Well, like I'm saying, <laughs> like, like you've got people like Alice Cooper. Is Alice Cooper that great of a singer? Probably not. Stephen no. Piercy, people love to shit on Stephen Piercy. And it's like, dude, I mean... For what he did in Rat, Stephen Piercy was a great singer. Yeah, know? that grit. He had that street grit kind of distinct yeah. voice. Very unique. Right. I, I think Alice Cooper, too. This, in a lot of ways, this album, uh, to me, it's better, but it's kind of similar. It's a better version of like, kind of like a trash, Alice Cooper's trash. I can totally see that. Agreed. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, but, like, but like Alice Cooper... Ozzy has that unique voice, and I both, when they, at their best, I think they sing a ballad really great. And right. they add a lot of personality to a song. Like, this is a song that also, I could hear Alice doing a good version of this song, too. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about it, Eric? Oh, man, Mama, I'm Coming Home. Amazing fucking song. I love this. Probably, definitely, it, it, 
probably be my number one favorite Ozzy ballad. I'm just gonna go out there and say it's probably my favorite Ozzy ballad. Never get burnt out on this song, no matter how many fucking times I hear it on radio, on the radio, on like you know Metal Mania, VH1 Classic. No matter how many times I hear it, yep. I never get sick of it. Um, if, if there's one complaint I have about the song, it just it always creeps me out. Like guys that like call their girlfriend or their wife or significant other, <laughs> they call call the mama. That just like if I sing, like if I'm doing karaoke and I'm singing Love Gun, I can't say mama. I have to say like woman. I have to. It bugs the shit out of me. Like I love it when girls call. Like you know, I love it like when my wife calls me like daddy. But like the other way around. No, thank you. No, I do right. not want to picture my mom when I'm banging when I'm banging the chick. You know. Right. right. <laughs> I get it. It's a it's a subtle difference between mama and mom. Uh, right. a, little, a little too subtle for Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but no, than that, that's the only complaint I got about the song. Other than that, it's it's fucking amazing. I love uh, like Zach. He adds that southern twang to it. You know, like yes. he was doing with Book of Shadows and Pride and Glory. Um, I, I you know I remember one time playing Grand Theft Auto. You know, it's when I'm in middle school. You know, life was a lot simpler. You just had friends over for summer vacation. You're playing video games. Drinking Mountain Dew, you know, oh, yeah. talking about chicks and listening to metal, you know, you don't have to worry about job or any of that. I remember just playing like, you know, I had like a mix CD of all these metal songs and playing Grand Theft Auto, man. I just remember doing this awesome, like, just finishing this mission while this song is playing. It felt like the end of like a movie or something, you know, it was just so Perfect epic. soundtrack. Yeah, it was just perfect soundtrack for this level I was on. It like and the level ended right, like right when uh, the song ended. So it felt like a fucking movie, and, and it just takes me back to that simpler time when all you had to worry about was like, oh man, is my friend gonna be able to make it over to hang out and play some video games, or oh man, is that you know you think I'll you know get get to finger bang a chick? You know, it's just simpler <laughs> times, you know. Yes. Uh, I also too remember my friend in elementary school sleeping over at my friend Alex Tedeschi's house, and his sister was listening to this song on the radio. And I just remember him goofing on the song like, "Oh, I'm coming home, Mama, Mama, I'm coming home." You know, he's a chubby kid, you know, so he had that Chris Farley sense of humor and just like him goofing <laughs> on the song and had me laughing. You know, I love this song, man. It brings back a lot of good memories, and I never get sick of it. It fucking rules. Perfect right. ballad. And before right. we go into the next song, I will say, uh, Edwin, you're talking about Ozzy ballads. I do have something to say about a different ballad on this song, but that's coming later. So, I think yeah. that would be very interesting. Yeah, because we all we all love this ballad, but there are two more ballads. <laughs> Maybe I think one too many. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think yeah, I yeah, I got different opinions about the two ballots. They're they're, oh. they're all kind of similar. It seems people are kind of like there's uh, uh people with Aussie ballads are one way or the other about them. So, but there is something I got to say about a couple of these ballots at the end, but I'll save that for the end and uh okay, Edwin, well, you you haven't gone first yet. Why don't you why don't you take the song Desire first? Okay, Desire. I consider Desire killer filler. Oh, okay. it's a great album track. Obviously, yep. not a single, but well, not a single on this album. If like lesser bands wish they had a song this catchy, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, it might have been a single for some other act. But on No More Tears, yeah, this is just an album track. It, it's I love the the guitar's great, the groove of the song. It's really catchy. 
you know, and that's what I mean. It's killer filler. It's a song where it's really catchy, yet, but so if, even if you don't think it's a single. I One thing that really hits me about this song, and I actually wrote this down because I want to recite some of the lyrics here. Written by Lemmy. This is another song that Lemmy wrote the lyrics to. Right. This, these are some of my. These are probably my favorite lyrics on the album. Th- this line, I'm going to quote. Here's the lyrics. I gotta keep rocking, cause it makes me crazy. I love that. It makes yeah. me. Wait, just more. It makes me crazy. Who needs to be cool? Life's amazing. Yes! Yeah! Yeah, dude, I felt those lyrics earlier when I was driving. I love that. Life's amazing. It's like, yeah, I totally feel you on that. Yeah, and it's just like, and who needs to be cool? It's like, yeah, fuck it. Being cool is not worrying about being cool. It's spazzing out, embracing rock and roll, embracing life. Again, kind of like, you know, I don't want to change the world. This is, these are life-affirming lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more than just desire for, like, you know, sex. It's desire for life. You know, it's a right. life-affirming song. It's interesting. Obviously, Lemmy was having a good time. <laughs> well, hell yeah. He had just moved to L.A. He yeah. was living it up, you know. He's living it up. <laughs> he was probably banging Sharon Osbourne, you know. I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was probably banging good-looking women, too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, good-looking women along with Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzy would be, you know, grateful and be like, "Oh, I could take a break. I could go." Raven, please, Ooh, Lemmy. Look, 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 look. Thank you, Lemmy. <laughs> Give it a couple more rounds, Lemmy, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's just like this is just—it's just—it's—it's it's life affirming and it's rocking and, and it's one thing I love about this album. It's like I guess I you know, it's all no more tears. It's like it's not about tears. It's no. about rocking and rolling and enjoying life. And you can, you know, especially metal, I would say metal for the past, like, over 20 years, kind of from the 90s on, there's this whole idea that you got to gloomy. Right. Gloomy. And... I hate it. And this is Ozzy Osbourne, a fucking guy who was one of the founders of, like, doom metal. Yeah. Right. And he's telling you all, you don't got to be gloomy, enjoy life. <laughs> you know? but, but, you know what? That being said, you know, Sabbath, their music was kind of dark and gloomy, but Sabbath's lyrics were never really that, like, Sabbath's lyrics never really matched that. Yeah, and by the time they got to the mid-70s, they were showing other sides, too. Right. You know, like, Sabracadabra and stuff like that. Like, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom, you know? Right. And, yeah. Like, Sabbath were really, well, I'm just saying, like, Sabbath were really just a bunch of hippies, man. Oh, well, yeah, yeah but, I mean, Ozzy used to, he, he threw the hippie symbols. <laughs> right, know? exactly. He didn't do the double horns, he did the, actually the double peace sign. And, exactly. and he's always screaming, I always laugh at it, because, I always laugh at it because it's so unmetal, but he's always screaming, I love you, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's we love you and cocaine. Right. Cocaine! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're supposed to be the Prince of Dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like you ever heard like his scratch tracks for like Paranoid? He's singing like all about peace and love and shit. Right. Geezer <laughs> has to change the lyrics. He's like, uh, no, mate, we can't be. We, you know, we, you know, sound like a bunch of bloody poopsters. We got to change. The <laughs> but yeah, Ozzy just wants to have a good time. He wants to smash some Guinnesses, eat some pizza, and have fun. <laughs> Damn, what kind of pizza are we having? I don't know. Huh? Chicago deep dish. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. None of that Papa John shit, Eric. 
Yeah, I, I like to trigger all the New York, all of our New York friends, and be like, "Oh, I'm eating some New York style pizza." Because for me, New York style pizza is just pizza you get anywhere. It's just there's nothing special about it. It's it's just fucking pizza. That's because you're from the Midwest. Like, yes. Like every time, like people try and compare Chicago deep dish with New York style pizza, the big selling point they have for New York is like, "Well, it's cheap." It's like, okay, yeah, you can afford it. That doesn't mean it's better. <laughs> like, yeah, if I'm broke as shit, I'm not going to be able to afford a deep dish. I'm going to just get the New York one because it's cheap as hell and I'm hungry. All right. <laughs> that being said, Papa John's pizza is very delicious. They've gotten better. They kind of dipped down for a little bit, and they got, they've yeah. gotten better, though. They stepped up the game like Domino's did. Right. Um, have you ever had their stuffed crust? Have you guys ever had their stuffed crust? No. I oh haven't. yeah, my wife. My wife literally will strictly only get the stuffed crust. It's amazing. Wow. I got to try. I actually. I don't think I've ever eaten Papa John's. I'll be honest. They give Believe you a pepperoncini with your pizza, man. I'll, yes. I always oh. eat it too because my wife hates the spicy stuff. Well, I do. Domino's does that too. I've eaten Domino's a lot, but I haven't had the Papa. So Jones. is uh, Papa John's not out on the West Coast, Edwin? Uh, it may might be just not in the neighborhoods I'm in. I, there's never one gotcha. that's by me, you know. There's there's gotcha. usually for the cheaper piece, it's usually Domino's. That's usually what's near me. But I have not seen a Papa John's actually. So. Gotcha. So. I'll order one for you and send it to you. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll <laughs> it'll be there in like three days. <laughs> yeah, it'll be cold as shit. <laughs> that's the way to eat it. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's like eating frat, you know, frat house pizza three days later. It's yes. It's, <laughs> Oh, I'm so hungover. What the fuck do we got? Uh, I think yeah. there's a pizza sitting in the oven or some shit. <laughs> so on that... is a fucking rock. On that note, there's no segue here because there's no connection. What do, you, what, what do you think of Desire, Mick Watkins? Well, you know, Desire is like... Desire to me is like a cold piece of pizza, you know? It's like... <laughs> I found that connection. Uh, desire is like a cold piece of pizza to where it's not exactly what you want, but when you get it, it's delicious, you know? <laughs> no, but really, I love Desire. I mean, like, you nailed it, Edwin, when you said that it's a really good album track. Earlier, when I was riding around in my car, listening to this album, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, this song's not a hit. It's not going to be on MTV. But it's a really good fucking song. And I do think it's one of the better songs on the album. I love it. But it's not going to be a hit. It's not going to be all of them radio. Very cool. I love the lyrics. And once again, Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Bob, Randy Castillo, Lemmy at the songwriting helm. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this album is three for three. Or, or is this? No. Four for four. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Yep. It's a dream team writing it. So what, right. what, do, you, what do you think, Eric? Man, I'll tell you what, I got fucking desire for some uh, fucking pizza right now. Yeah, you got it. I am in the mood now. Yeah, I'm in the mood. But man, uh, great fucking song. This is definitely what I call killer filler. It doesn't help that follows like three of like probably the strongest fucking songs on the album, but it's a good song. This is like the kind of song you need on an album. It's like the glue that holds everything together. Uh, It's a great album track. I think it's had some really phenomenal guitar work by Zach Wilde. Yep. And it almost kind of reminds me of Devil's Daughter from the previous album, No Rest for the Wicked. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. yeah, great fucking song, man. It's a great cruising song and uh, even better lyrics. You know, I right. love his fucking kind of lyrics. You know, like uh, Edwin was explaining, the ones that tell you to fucking live your life. Don't be the fucking asshole that's sitting in the corner on your phone 
like trying to be all cool and shit. Fuck that. There's no time for that in the world. Yeah. So, who wants to take the fucking, uh, probably, I think, next to Crazy Train, this is probably Ozzy's most popular song, the title track, No More Tears. I'll take it. No More Tears, it's a masterpiece. Yes. Objectively, it's the best song on the album. Like I said, uh, my my favorite is I Don't Want to Change the World. You know, because that's just just like an Edwin kind of song. Mm -hmm. So, personally, I connect a song, that song, it's like an anthem. But objectively, I can hear that No More More Tears is the best song on the album. Uh, It's my second favorite song on the album. It's a masterpiece. Mm. I think this is just a really high level of songwriting. Of course, I would say there's a lot of great things about the song, but of course, the first thing, as and I know Mick, he's a bassist, and I used to. I am. (laughs) Obviously, this is one of the great bass-driven songs, and I love that it's like an Aussie classic. That's a bass-driven song more than a guitar-driven song. Although, yeah, it does feature I think Zach Wilde's greatest guitar solo. Yeah, I think it's his greatest guitar solo. And uh, but that bass line, it's interesting because I was looking at the credits of this because I was really, it's a little complicated. I'm because, following you on this. Right? Yeah, because Michael Inez, you know, from Alice in Chains, he's yep. he's in the videos and he toured with the band. And right. but he actually is not playing on the album. Bob Daisley, as yes. we discussed, is actually the bassist on this album. Yep. Now, in the case of this song, though, this is where it gets a little complicated. Michael Inez did write that opening bass hook, but he's yes, not. I'm reading this. I'm but reading he, this with you. Yeah, but he did not play it. That's some Gene Simmons piss uh, bullshit up in there. <laughs> that is some Gene Simmons. Yeah. I'm gonna write the bass part, but so, I'm not I mean, gonna play it. <laughs> it's really weird. Uh, maybe there was a contractual thing with uh, the Alice in Chains label or something. I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, well, so, was he in Alice in Chains at this point? Was he? I, well, it's I don't think he was. I, I don't oh, think he one? was. So he wasn't. Um, huh? um, because Mike Starr played on Dirt. All right. So it's, he wasn't on Alice Chase yet. Okay. So I don't. I don't know why. For what any weird reason, Michael Ines did not play the bass, but he wrote it. So he's like hanging around. Weird. I mean, Maybe Ozzy already had this idea that he didn't want Bob Days like touring or. See, yes. Now yeah. that's one of the things I was going to bring up was because we know. That Sharon Osbourne, and probably not even really Ozzy, but Sharon Osbourne has some kind of prejudice against Bob Daisley. I yeah. almost guarantee that Bob Daisley probably wrote that, and Sharon's like, no, fuck that guy. We're <laughs> not going to give him that writing credit. We're going to give it to this kid, whoever the hell Mike Inez is. You know? Yeah, it's, it's possible. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, I'm actually looking at the two biggest hits Bob Daisley doesn't have a credit for. Yeah, but yeah, so Mike and, according to the credits, Mike Inez came up with that hook, but Bob Daisley is actually playing it. It's, right. Uh, I mean, and it's amazing bass playing. And, and I would me, think yeah. Bob Daisley wrote the lyrics, because it's not Lemmy on this. No, but uh, it's just the credit, it's just to Osborne Wilde, Castillo, Mike Inez, and some guy named John Pundell, who's that? I believe he's the keyboardist. Okay, Ooh. yeah, you're right. Yep. He, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of keyboard on this. Like, yeah, he played, hidden. yeah, he played a dream theater, apparently. Yeah, he's a keyboardist. Um, but yeah, so this song, this to me, it probably was the last song, like, written for the album, too. Um, it has a, a little bit of a Faith No More vibe to it with the bass. I and totally the hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the song. video, too. 
Yeah, right. and um, it's great. I love it. But also, I could kind of picture Alice Cooper doing something like this. To me, yeah. when I said this is kind of like this is like the poison of the album. It's yeah. it's got a similar sensuality to it. It's just really catchy. Has all these just a great musical part after great musical part. Again, it brings in this kind of Beatles bridge where it gets a little different and. Uh, it's a little offbeat, and it's just—it's a perfect song. I love everything about it. If I have one minor criticism, even though I do like the Simps, there are a few moments where it does, like in the the middle part of the song, where I kind of wish it was more of like a real orchestra instead of a synth orchestra. Yeah, uh, I, I think that would have sounded a little bit cooler. But it's small, small criticism. It's a great song. One thing though, I was going to say though, I do love the video too that had his daughter in it. She's yeah. the sexy girl crying. And no, no, she's at the end. She's the little I, girl of the video. Oh, she's the little girl. I thought she was yeah. like the old. It, it does look like her, though. It kind of looks like her, the model. But no, it's the little girl at the end. And she looks kind of fucking creepy in that video. Yeah, so, like, thought, with, with that being one of his daughters, is that Amy or is that Kelly? I believe it's Kelly. It's Kelly. Well, that's why I thought the other one was like his. Doesn't he have like an older one that he's got like fifty fucking kids? He, he probably has like fifty kids. Yeah, I, I believe I could be wrong, but I think he has an older daughter who refused to be on the show. Right, that's Amy Osborne. That's who I thought the 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 other girl was. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was still the little girl. Maybe maybe you're right. I don't well, know. Like, well, like well, like Kelly's got such like when you see the child, you'll know it's Kelly because it, yeah, it really just looks like Ozzy. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, she looks like Ozzy. Yeah. Right, we'll, we'll have to like, check that out. Yeah, I guess we should do our research beforehand. Well, it's the video. It's not the <laughs> album. All right. 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 I will say one thing. This is the only criticism, and this is like the difference between like the early 90s and the 80s, is if this was in the 80s, this album would have had a much better album cover. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The album cover would have been like the video. You would have saw like a sexy girl crying, right. and then in the tears would be the reflection of an Aussie like sea serpent monster. <laughs> Right. Well, see, like that's kind of like bringing up the album cover. That's one thing that, like, that I kind of see as like a huge deal in this was because before this, you always kind of had that Ozzy Osbourne gothic, like hammer horror kind of vibe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And this is trying to be all serious and mature. Going into the '90s, this is the first mature Ozzy album cover, and kind of theme-wise, yeah. He's like, I'm not biting the heads off bats anymore, and I'm not, you know, doing all that crap. I'm, I'm an artist. I'm an <laughs> artist, exactly. And that album cover screams that. Yeah, and that's. A, I just wish, I wish they would do a, a new version where we had a more like Ultimate Sin style version for yeah. this album cover. <laughs> I would love that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but a great song. It's a masterpiece. It's the song that bridged him from the '80s into the '90s successfully. Right. And I think ultimately kind of led to the Black Sabbath like resurgence, where by the mid-90s yeah. people wanted to hear Black Sabbath again. I think it's mm-hmm. a combination of a influence a lot of, you know, Black Sabbath influenced a lot of grunge and Alice in Chains yeah. and Soundgarden and stuff. But I think also this album, this album kind of put him, it's like it brought, it introduced Ozzy to a new generation. And right. obviously people are going to do that thing that when they track back to go like, you know, who, who, what kind of music did he do before this album? You know, and that's when they discover Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So this song and this album, very important and kind of not, you know, it's not really talked about so much anymore. But I think it's very important in terms of, you know, kind of putting Black Sabbath 
back, you know, under the radar for a, a whole new generation, you know. And I, this song was huge. I mean, this song and the, you know, of course, Mom, I'm Coming Home, they were on MTV all the time. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and you know, it's definitely, it, it, was, it was a game changer for Ozzy's career. It brought him into the 90s. It deserved to. It's a great song. It's a classic. It's, you know, I love it. And it kind of represents, this is a song that really represents that period I was talking about earlier. Yeah. That 91 period. Like, this is such a 91 song. It where is. it's really just it's interesting it's innovative and catchy all at the same time it's a great so this is a great fucking rock and roll song i love no more tears what do you think about it air oh man uh let me just say i'll you know being a child of the 90s there was no escaping this song and this is like in the late 90s there was no escaping the song so i can't even imagine in like uh 91 how it was you know listening to the radio, listening to rock radio, uh, and how many times the song probably aired. Uh, this is probably, I'd go as far as to say it's like definitely neck and neck with Crazy Train as Ozzy's most famous song. Yeah. Uh, you're either going to hear Crazy Train or you're going to hear No More Tears. Great song. It's like the epic that Ozzy, you know, he always has an epic song on his albums, and this is definitely that one. I do feel, and I do love the song, but I do feel it maybe a bit overrated i feel he's done better i definitely don't think it deserves like you know as much praise as it gets i feel he's done way better than this i agree but i think it's just it because it's commercially successful obviously it gets all the credit um zach and uh it's it's funny ed when you mentioned zach wilde does a really great guitar solo which i agree uh, he does a cover of this with Black Label Society, and as much as I love Zach Wilde and I defend him with all the criticism he gets, and I love Black Label Society, he does a horrible fucking cover of this song. You ever heard it? I I actually like that cover. I don't uh, like. I it. did not like it, man. What is it on? Is it on? It's a bonus uh, track for the first album. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I did not like it. I like it. It's uh. It was also, I think, on an EP separately too. But you can find it now as a bonus track. But I like, I like it because it's so different. It's not like it's so raw and heavy. It's like very different. It's, it's like him on the guitar. I, I, I like it. I don't like it as much as this version. But at least it's different. Yeah. I like when a cover is like very different from the yeah. version. But I, don't, I like it. I like it. But you know, yeah. I like a lot of raw, crazy shit. You know, <laughs> so it, it's very raw. But yeah, you should check it out, Mick. I'm curious what Mick thinks of it. Yeah, I yeah also I'll do, definitely check it out. I remember in elementary school um, talking to this kid, uh, Mike, about Ozzy Osbourne. We were talking about music, and uh, I just remember him being like, uh, oh, you, you remember the song No More Tears by Ozzy? He's like, isn't it weird at the end you just hear him saying, in the bush, and in the bush, in the bush. and in the bush? <laughs> and like, for whatever reason, that was just like a thing we'd always like, you know, we'd come up to each other if we were talking, and like one of us just joke around and be like, and in the bush, and in the bush, and in the bush. You know, it's just random shit you do when you're young, but uh, like I said, it's a great song, but I definitely feel it's, uh, as far as the epic Ozzy tracks go, and just his entire, you know, music catalog in general, I feel it's a bit overrated and I am a bit burnt out on it but still a great fucking song so what do you think of it Mick I mean you guys have kind of nailed it really I mean I'll go with and what uh, both of you guys said that I really do think I mean it's a great song it's a classic I mean I remember when this album came out 
because this was the first Ozzy album that I remember in real time. You know, I mean, I remember when yeah. this shit came out and it's very popular. You could not escape this song. You couldn't escape My Mom Coming Home. It was crazy. MTV had Bangers Ball. It was really nothing but this shit at the time. But this is a good song. I mean, I love it. It's not a huge favorite of mine, but it's talking about the epics and talk about all the other greater epics he has. This is not a pimple on the ass of Diary of a Madman. This is not a pimple on the ass of Waiting for Darkness. Agreed. You know, it's stuff like that, you know, or Mr. Crowley or something like that. I mean, it's a good song, and I do love it, and it perfectly encapsulates that 1991, 1992 kind of, like, rock scene, you know? Cool video. And once again, the video just kind of sums that period up, too. I mean, it's a great tune. It's a classic. I love hearing it. I never get tired of it. It's classic Ozzy. I always liked in the video that last, like, what, it's one of the last shots of Ozzy in it where he does that kind of, like, stone-cold gangster look and does the wipe away tear <laughs> gesture. You know right, what I'm talking about? Right. I always liked that. I always like thought that was badass when I was a kid watching that. Right. Yeah. And in but, this yeah. period, Ozzy kind of got that early 90s look. This is yep. when he brought oh. in that. This is when he established that John Lennon round circled glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he kind of did that HBK Shawn Michaels. Yeah, ponytail. Yeah, the, 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 the samurai. The samurai, samurai look. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've got yeah, to yeah. mention that too because yeah, he has yeah. that ponytail thing in the in Mr. Tinker Train and in this video. Right. There's if I ever find it, my mom. I know my mom's got the picture. I actually used to do that with my hair because I, I love I did like. Too. Yeah, as I, I used to be a big Shawn Michaels fan. I thought and Michael Schenker did it too a couple times. So there's a picture of me playing uh, one of my jet like uh, Jackson V's like knockoff Jackson V's. I have my hair like that. If I find it, I'll post it on our page. Nice. Yeah. If yeah, you were a rock and roll badass in the '90s, you had that fucking hairstyle. Yeah. 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 Tommy Lee and Nikki Six both had mm-hmm. in the "Don't Go Away Mad" video. There you go. Exactly. Yep. The perfect early 90s bridge from hair metal to what happened later. Yeah, know? right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, uh, you guys discuss SIN while I take a piss break and try to stretch it out for about two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Go <laughs> try our best. I'll be back. So, oh, Mike, so, Eric, SIN, I don't know whether to call this SIN or SIN. Do you know what this stands for? I have no clue. Me either. Yeah. Like, like I kind of want to think it's Sharon is nasty. Ooh, uh, that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was gonna say it stands for suck Ike's nuts. Now I don't know who Ike is. Um, well, it, what about <laughs> sucks Inez nuts? Ooh. Mike Inez. There you Mike, go. Uh, all right, you're not gonna let me play bass on the song. Well, you can suck on these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Because we know damn good well it was Bob Daisley that played on this. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's a pretty good song. I mean, fuck. I mean, let's look at the track listing. Mr. Tinker Train, classic. I Don't Want to Change the World, classic. Mama Coming Home, classic. Desire, album track, but classic. No More Tears, classic. I think this is the first track that could kind of be, you know, like what Ian Wadley would confirm 
Killer Maybe. filler. Killer filler, exactly. Yeah, it's very. I noticed this album's very top heavy. They get kind of all the the singles, all the big hitters like up front. Right. And right. while necessarily these these tracks at the second half of the album aren't bad, they're just you know they're more album tracks. So I think. I think maybe it could have done better with some rearranging to yes. spread out a bit. All right. So on the vinyl, this is the uh, this is the first song on side three of the vinyl, and this is a double vinyl. Ooh. So do, do you think that's a good placement for it? Um, I don't think so, man. This is like kind of a more poppier. It's like more of the pop. It's not ballad, but it's more poppier kind of song. This is like. This is a song you. This is a song you play if you got your girlfriend with you, or if you got your wife with you, or something. You know, this is like a song they'll listen to and it won't scare them off. You know, so I think maybe like you start off with a heavier song and then lead into this one. Yeah, I mean, like even though the lyrics are pretty cool, I mean, it talks about a psycho driver twisted in my head, silence broken, but there's nothing said. I mean, I mean, yeah, really cool lyrics, but yeah, the way the song is written. It is very kind of poppy, and for this album and Ozzy Osbourne's discography, it's kind of disposable a little bit, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like the song actually. I, I mean, I I love it a lot. Like I said, it's probably not the song you want to start one of the sides of the album off on, but right, I, I love it, man. It's a great, catchy fucking tune. It's got those hooks in it. And, uh, you know, me and Edwin were talking about in the last episode about, you know, Black Sabbath Tear, which basically came Ooh. out around the same time it did. as this album did. But it's like, man, this songs like this are the reason, and although I love Tear, songs like this are the reason Ozzy was really just kicking Black Sabbath's ass at this time. Because right. um, just like, you know, Tear is like, I mentioned it, it's kind of like... You know, and I don't mean this is an insult because I love music from the Elder, but it's kind of like their music from the Elder. They're kind of doing something radically different. You're totally just right. Because they're just trying so hard to stay relevant where Ozzy's just really climbing the climbing the ladder of, you know, commercial success in, in wow. rock. Right, so um, we're like at this point in time in 91, I don't really think Ozzy had to try to be relevant. He was. Yeah. Poor really Sabbath was fucking clawing and you know they, they they had to come up with something you know what I mean they were really struggling yeah I think too I even mentioned in that tier episode Sabbath their biggest problem was too many member changes right you know, when they first replaced Ozzy with Dio they still had the classic lineup just with Dio as the singer so it was yep. really looking like they were gonna compete they were gonna be like you know ACDC black, back in black but the problem was too many member changes and Ozzy's a little bit more memorable. He's he's out there. People mem- people remember Ozzy more than they do Tony Iommi because Ozzy's just so out there, so crazy. He's got the name, you know. Right. So at this time, you know, not only was Ozzy a household name, but I mean, he's really kicking Sabbath's ass because it really felt like Sabbath. Although they're putting out good material, they just couldn't really. They didn't really have a good formula. They're always trying different things, whereas Ozzy kind of had a good formula down, writing these kick-ass rock songs, but songs with hooks in them, songs that, like, you know, your average rock fan's going to listen to. And like I said, this one's like, this is like a song you play, like, if you're you're on a date with a chick, and yeah. you want to play your music, but you don't want to play something that's going to scare her away. This is a song, you know, 
like like this is a song you know back in the day man if you know i was on a date with a girl i'd put this song on because i knew they would like it but son i'm also gonna enjoy right. um this is the kind of song you want to put on when you want to rock out but you still want to get a little stink finger yeah, exactly. I, I've given the stinky finger to this to this song a lot of times, man. And, there you go. Uh, there's some some woes in this song, which in our, last episode, in our last episode I mentioned the whole thing about Jerusalem, how that's one of the few times yeah. I don't like woes in songs. Well, let me tell you, son Edwin, because I can hear you back on here. I don't need to climb a mountain in Russia and scream Drago to get the woes in this song because it works in this fucking song. <laughs> Are we still talking about SIN? Yes, yes. we are. <laughs> what do you think SIN stands for, Edward? Yes. Um, I, don't, I didn't look that up. I should have looked that up. I looked up what AVH stands for. Oh, Alex I can't Van wait Halen. for that because earlier... <laughs> Alex, Alex Van Halen. Van Halen. <laughs> All right. okay. We're, we're going to write this song about the most underrated drama in metal. <laughs> I don't know. What's SIN stand for? It'd be funny if the S stood for SIN. <laughs> I always thought it was like I told Eric when you were taking that piss. What about Sharon is nasty? Ooh, Sharon is it? Do you know that for a fact? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, that's just the theory. <laughs> I, 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 I prefer the Wolves uh, in Jerusalem. Um, the song's all. I, I think the song's filler. Um, right. I wouldn't say it was killer filler either, but it's not bad. But it's the first song that I think that like the quality drops a bit. That's what it, we kind of said too. Yeah, it's all like it'd be a fine B side, you know. Um, but as we get to the second side of this album, the second half, um, it's still not the worst. There are a couple songs that I do think are worse. Ooh. Yeah, okay. I got to. I like a lot of these albums. Sometimes I think this is very front loaded. I think. The yeah, I was saying that. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's. Well, I, I, I kind of was thinking like with with the first four songs. Actually, the first five songs. For the first five songs, I'm thinking to myself today when I was re-listening to this album, I was thinking, maybe this is like my third favorite Ozzy album. This is pretty great. Wow. It and, is. Then, and then this song came. I was like, yeah, okay, so-so. And then by the time I get to the end, I was like, nah. <laughs> now, Edwin, did, did you ever get uh, Stinky Fingers uh, to this song? <laughs> no, no. Okay, that explains why you don't You like never it did? <laughs> no, no, well, not, not to this song, no. <laughs> I've gotten stinky fingers and penis to this song. No, Ooh. it's a different. It'd be uh, <laughs> I, I'm the, like this more like play song. So it be right. It'd, right. I, I was out of an era. It'd be more like Smashing Pumpkins or Pearl Jam. Gotcha, guys. The first time I ever got the first time I ever got laid, it was uh, Master of uh, No, it was Battery by Metallica. Right now, all, all the girl, in high school, I was dating. It was like uh, what we'd call turn chicks, you know, girls with like green hair and like black. Right, and stuff. Yeah. right. It's a different era, so you wouldn't play that kind of music necessarily. For no, them. you would play some Green Day or something. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great <laughs> I, I, on principle, I would not play Green Day. Okay, well, <laughs> you wouldn't, but to play the basement. Well, I did date some, but I thought of Green Day as like a girl group. So I could, yes, totally. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, no. I could I could do like Smashing Pumpkins. I could do Seattle Grunge. I could not do Green Day. That's where I drew the line. I was like, nope. Yeah, sure. I tell you, the first time I was ever laid and I penetrated a woman's vagina with my penis. <laughs> that's very. Was, that's you did it right. That's the way to do it. Right? That's the I way, did. That's the correct scientific way of doing it. When I penetrated a woman's vagina with my penis, it was to the A Perfect Circle album, Near Day Gnomes. Oh wow! Wow. It, 
very good experience. It's a very specific time period. <laughs> yes, very, very much so. Yeah. All right, there you go. Good on you, good on you. This is for all your listeners out there. And for Terrence, who doesn't know what a vagina feels like. <laughs> it's because we his know your pocket pus- His pocket pussy does not count. Terrence, no, it doesn't. Hey, Terrence, get a fucking job, goddammit. Right, please. We're, we're tired of paying our taxes for this bullshit. I, I worked yeah. a bunch of overtime this week and, like, broke my back. And it pisses me off to know that some of that money is going to be used to buy shitty fucking Pink Floyd albums with David Gilmore and no right. Waters. You don't need your eighth version of Momentary Lapse of <laughs> You don't need to do the 20th fucking review on it. It had another anniversary. Just, just here. <laughs> right. It's the, th- like, what is this, like the 32nd anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> No, he he took down the original fucking video because he's like, oh god, I said some pretty bad shit. But then he goes ahead and says some more bad shit because someone pisses him off. Right, right. <laughs> so wait, apparently to get to get us back on track here. Yeah, right. Sorry and, about that. And I, I, I love that the SIN section is going to be like twenty minutes. That it is. <laughs> Keep that in it. Like I like that. Yeah, yeah. The worst song on the album gets better. <laughs> uh, SIN. I, I wish. It but anyway, we got to do Yeah, right. But it, it's definitely not one of the best ones. Apparently, it's also known as Won't Be Coming Home. I seen yeah. that yesterday, dude, because I, I streamed saw that this, this album. Wait, but um, did you, you guys stream it off of uh, the internet, YouTube? Did you no, see well, that? Uh, well, I own the album, of course. Don't you own No More Tears, Nick? What's that? You own No More Tears? No, I've got it on CD and vinyl right in front of me. Oh, okay. That was gonna say, yeah. Right. Yeah, but I to, TV, but, but I mean, I had to I stream it because I usually listen to these on in my car or something. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about the streaming when we do that thing with Mark in a couple weeks. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna be on but the to, Gary and Mark show in a oh, couple man. weeks. Yeah, we'll plug that but, again. We'll, yeah, we will. So, 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 what were you saying, Mick? But to quickly like listen to this, you know. I just pulled it up on the internet, you know, and that's what it said. Yeah, and that was yeah, the first I, time I'd ever seen that, and I was like, "What?" And then what, I what, checked my record, and it didn't say that either. Yeah, what's funny? Yeah, on on the actual the copy I got, it just says "sin." But same. Uh, it, but what's funny? I'm looking at this Wikipedia, and it's in parentheses. This is also known as "won't be coming home," but then it has another parentheses and says "sin" again. It's weird. That makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once again, I think Sharon. I, I don't think Sharon liked it because it stood for Sharon is nasty. <laughs> anyway, this is the most anyone's ever talked about this song, including the band when they were writing it. All right. <laughs> okay, let's uh, move past this song, which we all agree it's filler. Yeah. Uh, we like to varying degrees. Eric obviously has. Uh, sexual reasons for liking this song, you know, more than <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of Eric's all my fingers. <laughs> uh, the next song, uh, Hellraiser. Now, this will yeah. be an interesting song to discuss for obvious reasons. Uh, this right. is another one famously that Lemmy uh, wrote, and um, I, I actually, I, I'll be honest, and I should know this as a Motorhead fan. I don't know which. When did March or Die come out? Which version came out first? I believe this... Well, 
Was it March or Die like 92? Yeah, I, you're right, Mick, and I just found out uh, via the Wikipedia, the interweb, yes. I just found out right now. Yeah, so this is 91, Mar- March or Die is 92. I know that's like... I was going to go old school and look at my CD shelf. No, yeah. I'm, I'm cheating. I got the Wikipedia right in front of, front of me. Monster Dive is 92. Yeah, I knew it was close, but I forget the exact... That's not one of my, I know you like it, Nick. I do. My, it's my least favorite... Mo- well, I'd say it's my second least favorite motorized album. My least favorite ha- is actually Hammered. But, yeah, Hammered kind of sucks. Yeah, but Marcher Die, it's alright. It has its moments. I actually like the... Right. I like the Ozzy, the Bow of Ozzy. I actually like that song. Oh, was it no? Was it uh, was that Nice Guy? What is it called? Yeah, I ain't no uh, Nice Guy. Yeah, oh, that's a good beautiful one. song. I yeah, I like song. that song. I like that song. Here's come on, Slasher. So obviously, okay. So it it makes sense that this one was the first version because Zach Wilde is also listed as one of the composers. So my guess is musically they did this song, and then again Lemmy came and did the lyrics. But then Lemmy's like, "Hey mate, could I do this song as well? Since I wrote the lyrics, and then I guess he All wrote right. that. It also was used for, I believe, Hellraiser three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and there's a cool tie-in video. And I gotta tell you, it's a little odd. If I had to pick my favorite version of the song, it's probably that new version that combines. Yeah, two. I love it. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. love that video too that they have for it. The anime awesome. one, yes, yeah, very done cool. in that heavy metal animated style. Very cool video. And normally, I don't like that stuff they do when they make like a duet after like someone dies. Mm-hmm. But this is the exception. I really love that version of the song. And it's like, well, you know, let me wrote this, you know, for and with Ozzy, so it's not like he'd right. be against that. And to me, it elevates the song. There's something really special about hearing Lemmy and Ozzy's voice together. You know, especially yes. when they come on in the chorus. So I feel that that is my favorite version of the song, actually. But cool. I would say before that, I, I'd give this one the edge over the Motorhead one. Um, yeah. yeah, I really love Bob Daisley's bass. It's a really good bass line. And as much as I love Lemmy, you know, uh, I just really like... There's a real swing to the bass on this one. And Zach's guitar lines. And it's a really catchy song. It's a really catchy song. I like it. I mean... To me, I feel that this album should just just be a ten track album. It's got one yeah. more than yeah. Two. To me, I can see that. yeah, it should just it's that the first side should end with no more tears. Right. To me, SIN should maybe be moved a little bit later on the album, and mm-hmm. Hellraiser should open up the second side. You know, right. that, so that, so yeah. like kind of like Back for the Attack. This album does suffer from the CDH a little bit, not quite as much as that. Right, I album. agree. Uh, but a little bit, and I definitely feel like Hellraiser should open the second side. Yeah, and it's just a stronger song. It's got a catchy melodic chorus, and it's fun. It's just good, fun, classic melodic metal song, and I dig it. I dig it. So, what do you think, Mick? Oh, dude, second favorite track on the fucking album. Hot ah, damn! Yeah, dude, I love <laughs> it. I love this song. I've always loved this song. I mean, I love Motorhead, dude, but. I prefer the Ozzy Osbourne version better. I prefer this version over even the duet version with Lemmy. Wow. I, just wow. the song, I just, I'm on the road. What does he say? I'm on, let me look at the lyrics. I'm on, what, I'm living on the endless road, around the world for rock and roll. It's just, man, when Ozzy sings these lyrics, it sounds so sincere. 
knowing the guy's history, you know, of yep. dude Ozzy at this point, 1991, he's been doing this for 20 years, 20 mm-hmm. plus years, really. He's a seasoned road dog. He's lived the lifestyle. He's kickstarted the career of many bands, Motley Crue, Rat. You know, Ozzy's a veteran at this, and just this song right here just kind of encapsulates that lifestyle for him. And you listen to it, and it's not posing. You know that this is sincere shit. And once again, the great thing about it is it's written by, it was probably written by Lemmy more than Ozzy, but it's two dudes that have lived the same life, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's it, they're total bros. It's like kind of right. the perfect song for them to do. Absolutely. Together. And it's so sincere, and it's just like, we are so lucky to have lived in the same lifetime as these two men. I agree. Yeah. I think that I can, and I can hear you. I can yeah. hear this being a song you love so much, Mick. It's got that. It's got that great bass line. I can see you it does that bass line. pulsating. Yeah, yeah. It's got a swing to it, man. And a boogie and with Bob yeah. Daisley. It's got a boogie, a swing, and Bob Daisley and Randy Castillo just ride that. It's simple, but it's effective, man. And yeah. I could hear Wild yeah. Ride doing this. Like this sounds like it could be a Wild wow. Ride. Wow. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I will pass that on to the gentleman, and you never know. Especially maybe for no. a special like Halloween, like you know, single or something. You know what? I will pass that on to the guys, and yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see what I happens. Could, I would love I could, to do that. I could hear Mick Watkins laying down a big fat pulsating baseline on that. Right, because I love both Bob and Lemmy. So yeah, it's a could combine the two. Right, <laughs> combine the two and it'd two be, styles. We might blow some minds, dude. We might blow some I, minds. And before we ask Eric about this song, I just want to say one other thing to take it back to um, uh, the Lemmy Ozzy version that they you know, did many years later. The All the right. thing though, it's about like what's cool is like I feel like Lemmy represented the real Ozzy. Like right. just and like Sharon was like I understand. I, I like I'm not hard on Ozzy. I know like Sharon gets a lot of hate from people. And let's just say I understand it. And I've heard a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we've all heard the, the Sharon stories. Yeah. It, she's a tough lady. We've all heard the stories. You know, she's the manager's daughter. She's Sabbath's manager's daughter. So you know, Don Arden's yeah. daughter, who was basically like a mafia man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, it's funny you said that because I was going to make that analogy. I think she's essentially like a mafia princess, you know? Right. Right. And so she's a tough lady, but it, but at the same time, if it wasn't for Sharon, Ozzy would be dead. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it took Sharon, Randy, and Bob to kind of pick him up yeah. from where he was. So I understand Ozzy's loyalty to her. And it does say something about his character that he has this loyalty to her. Uh, and whether, whatever the complexities of the nature of their real relationship behind closed doors, whatever it is, <laughs> right. you know, I mean. Because we know, didn't he try to like kill her and choke her? Yeah, yeah, I think anyone like, married to Sharon Osbourne would yeah. try to. Right. <laughs> I think at the very least, always a certain level of professional respect and like, like this woman made me a star again. Otherwise, I've right. been thought of as that guy that sang for Black Sabbath in the seventies and then fucking OD'd in a motel room. <laughs> yeah, and, that's true. So he, so say what you will about Sharon, there is that element of it. But yep. at the same time, Ozzy 
is the type of guy that you know sometimes Sharon be like just a ball buster and he just want to get away from her <laughs> and and it's like Lemmy I feel like from what I know about their relationships and things that Ozzy has said you know and I've read a lot I've read a couple books that you know Lemmy wrote I read you know Ozzy Osbourne's autobiography and if you yeah. kind of read between the lines what you get is that Lemmy almost represents like he's kind of like Ozzy's man cave yeah, like when Ozzy right. like got to get away from Sharon and just like hang out with like Lemmy at the Rainbow or go you know ride a you know a tank you know <laughs> or, or just like kind of just rock out and do something. It's like Lemmy's that bachelor, that perpetual bachelor friend that collects knives and shit. Right. <laughs> that that Ozzy wishes he was. Yeah, that. But you know, there's, I think there's like two sides to Ozzy. There's the side of Ozzy that likes drink, drinking his like fancy frappuccinos and hanging out with his kids and being a re- you know reality TV star. But then yeah. there's that grimy guy from Birmingham that wants to go and just rock out with his bloke mate and 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 talk shit about his wife and get drunk and right. watch like the History Channel drunk with Lemmy. <laughs> like I feel like that's right. what Lemmy represented for Ozzy. He was his man cave. So in a way, Hellraiser to me represents the ultimate bro down kind of man cave song. <laughs> Where these two yeah. guys coming together, it's like Ozzy gets to just be himself and have fun and rock out with Lemmy when Sharon's not looking. You know? That's just Love the vibe it. I got. Yeah. So what I do you think? Yeah, you go, sir. What were you gonna say? Oh, I mean, you pretty much nailed it, man. I mean, that's fucking poetry. What you just said. There you go. So, what do you think, Eric? Man, it's a fucking badass song. Now, Edwin, you prefer the version with both of them, and then Mick prefers the Ozzy version, and right. I prefer the Motorhead version. So, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> There yeah, I I think it's just because I I heard the Motorhead version first, and I've always loved that version the best. So it's always kind of one of those things where whichever you hear first is like the version that you kind of stick with. Um, there's really not much else I can say about this song. You guys kind of took the words out of my mouth. It fucking uh, fucking cool song. Uh, one thing I will add is uh, me being a wrestling fan. Uh, from what I heard, the Road Warriors uh, or Legion of Doom, whatever. Uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, there's a period of time when they were wrestling in Japan. They actually used this as their entrance song. So, really, little, fact, little factoid for my uh, my wrestling fans listening. That's amazing. Yeah. I did not know that, and I'm a huge wrestling fan, as you know. And uh, yeah, yeah. And to tie it all together, um, remember for a short time, Sonny Iron Man was the manager for LOD. Yeah, I fucking love Sonny. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> She's dude. She's like a. There's like a lot of interviews. She's like a Kiss fan. So I mean, yes. that makes her even sexier too. She is. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. So. All right. So uh, I'll take the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Time after time. All right. I, I don't know. This might be controversial, but here we uh, go. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I know. I know where this is going. I love this song. And uh, it's my favorite ballad Ozzy Osbourne has ever sung. Wow. Yes. I actually did not come to that conclusion until this afternoon. But I I did always like this song. But there was something kind of magical about this song today. And it... Let me just say this. The song, it's it's written just by Ozzy and Zach Wilde. 
There's something about this song. It goes back to a little bit what I was saying about the Beatle thing, where I mm-hmm. felt that this was the album that was the closest to what Ozzy. If Ozzy could do anything, I feel like this is the most his most honest album in a lot of ways. Right. And I feel like this is the kind of song that Ozzy always kind of wanted to sing. You know, it's a very kind of Beatle esque tune, and there's just something very beautiful about the melody, the guitar lines, the singing. And again, it kind of reminds me a little of that mid-70s period of Sabbath, like Sabotage and Technical Ecstasy, where they're stretching out a little bit, they're doing stuff that's a little different, a little more melodic, a little more, you know, prog and pop in spots. And it's like that. I just, like, I don't feel like he would have even done a song like this in the 80s. Like, he was kind of going back a little to, like, the kind of song he might do in the se- in, from the 70s, now in the early 90s. And the melody and the pathos and... It's just, I just think it's a beautiful song. It's very unique. It's not, it's just, it's just an Ozzy Osbourne ballad. It really doesn't sound like anything anyone else would do, I think. And I even like the video. It's funny because this video is kind of a lost video. I was looking for it on YouTube and I could not find it. Remember he had this video with like midgets and stuff in it? Yeah, and like, 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 um, isn't it black and white? Yeah, it was like, what was it? I think it was like... I've seen to recall it being black, like there was red in it. Like it was red, black. I don't know. I haven't seen it since the 90s, so I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. Because I, I, um, I have the Ozzy Osbourne, I have the Ozzy DVD box set, kind of, that came out uh, maybe 10 years ago, uh, Memoirs of a Madman, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that this is on that. Hey, could you check this out and later on uh, tell me about it? Because I'm curious. Well, my yeah, I'll look, right. Like, I'll look right now. Hang on. Like, I got to go... Back to my bedroom. Yeah, I, I remember fucking love being, midgets. It was weird. Yeah, there were midgets in the video. It was very I love fucking weird. Midgets. It was kind of like like you know the the the, the what do they call it? the dark the or is it the black lodge or the dark lodge in Twin Peaks? I always forget the you know oh, the black lodge. lodge. Yeah, the black lodge where where they go in Agent Cooper goes into that other space the like the dream space and they're in the and there's the little midget guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what this video was like. It was very Lynchian and weird, and there was midgets, and and it just represented this other side of Ozzy Osbourne, this weirder side. And I just love this song. Like I said, it's it's a unique song. It's a kind of song that again I feel like Ozzy wouldn't have done in the '80s, but he might have done in the late '70s or the early '90s. And I think it's a beautiful melody. I like the sentiment. I love everything about the song. Personally, I think. There should only be two ballads on this album. I think three is too much, and this should be the last song on the album. Um, so we'll discuss the other one when we get to it. And, and I know of the three songs, I, I believe this was the one that probably charted the least. I don't recall this really taking off this song, but I really love this song. I was surprised myself when I decided that this is my favorite Ozzy ballad, but I think it's a great ballad, and it's a real class act, and I love this song. And I'm really curious what you guys think about it. So what do you think about it, Mick? Well, this is on that DVD I was talking about. Okay. Yeah, it is on that, because this features all of the Ozzy videos from Bark at the Moon to Let It Die, which is off the screen. So yeah, definitely watch it and then let me know what the video was like. Right, I will do that, because I know I've seen it, but it's been a while. But, yeah, I love this song. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's Ozzy's greatest ballad, because when you talk about Ozzy's ballads, like, do you all um, consider, uh, let's see, Diary of a Madman? Is that a ballad? 
I don't consider that battle. No, that's like okay. a, that's like the epic track. Oh, okay, you guys don't. All right, because I was getting ready to say to me that is my all like that's my like overall favorite Ozzy Osbourne song. Well, if you count, if you, yeah, if you count that, but I don't. I mean, it just. I mean, yeah, I know it starts off like softer, but to right. me, it's just too dark and gets too heavy throughout to really consider that a ballad. Mm-hmm. My, gotcha. that, but I don't is, think it's like like Welcome Home Sanitarium a ballad. Like it's, okay, okay, it's an epic. It, is yeah. tonight a ballad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and gotcha. I, I love tonight. That'd be probably my third favorite ballad of this. I like the my favorite. I think is the the goodbye to romance with where it's just him and Randy without the oh, band. I love good. that. Oh my god, that's good stuff. I don't like the album version of that. Actually, that's actually one of the things. Really? About, yeah, I don't really like goodbye to romance. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why I, I think, think it's got such a, It's got such. I used a to mel- hate it. It's got such a melancholy, almost kind of like a. Melancholy, almost like a sad clown kind of vibe. You know, it's yeah. kind of kind of sadistic to me in ways. And, and I've always loved it. You know? Yeah, it's a little too sad clown. It's like me. you hear <laughs> something. <laughs> it's like something you hear for what was that show? What the guy, uh, like the hitchhiker, or like the Incredible Hulk, where he's hitchhiking, or he's hitchhiking <laughs> back in credits. That's where he crosses the line. That's the, the problem I had with some of those early '80s Aussie bouts. Like that's all. I don't. Th- Tonight's perfect. Tonight hit the sweet spot for yes. me. Mm-hmm. But goodbye to romance and so tired are just a little too heavy handed. Oh, they're I used to hate so a little tired. too schmaltzy. Yeah, they're just a little too yeah saccharine, a little too sh- sugary. Yeah, I, it, it's a little try hard. I think I used to hate so tired and uh, see. I love so tired. I love, love everything now. about Mark of the Moon. <laughs> I think Mark of the Moon is amazing. But getting you know, back to time after time. I'm sorry, Eric. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, the reason I hate I hated so tired for so long was because uh, my dad recorded Melomania for me because we had to do something. We had to go do a bunch of things that day, and I was gonna miss it, so he recorded it for me. And cool. it was one of those episodes of Melomania where like they were playing just the worst freaking videos, or they were playing the videos that they always played, and so like. You know, finally it gets to the last video because I'm looking at the time. Like, okay, there's enough time for one more video, so I'm like, please let it be something good. Please let it be something I really want to hear. And they played "So Tired" by Ozzy Osbourne. I'm like, fuck <laughs> this song. I'm like, this. so I hated that song for so long. And then uh, I think it was the the Rock the Rock and Roll Combat Podcast review episode, and I was so ready to hate on that song, but I hear it playing in the background. I'm like, that's actually a really damn good song. You know, it's so a great I, now song. I love it. I do love it now. You know, like, and going back to the video, I'm so tired. It's weird. I love it, you though. Know, it's weird. It's got a little hunchback dude, and it's kind of crazy. But it's like, you take the video of So Tired, and then you take the music videos from Zero the Hero off Born Again and Trash. Very similar. God, they are so similar and so <laughs> bizarre, dude. Yeah. You got, I like, love that shit. You know, like, right, it's so early 80s MTV, just insanity. I love that era of video. I do like that. I do like that. That's mm-hmm. why I like the Time After Time video, because it had midgets in it. Right. It was I weird. Love midgets. Right. <laughs> and the best way to describe it is I love this word that, like, Edwin, you always use, and it always cracks up, is wonky. Yeah, it's wonky. Yeah. I, I did it's wonky. It's very wonky. Yeah, it's very you know, wonky. You know? I think why I like wonky things um, is probably why you like like him too, Mick. There's just something kind of authentic about it and kind of charming. Right, right. 
It's yeah, very it's like, just honest and of the time. Yeah, it's not like it's not something made from some slick corporate committee. It's like just a right. bunch of people do something crazy. Some of it works, some of it doesn't, but but they're giving it their all. They're trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With like the Sabbath videos, they're like, we're gonna get a horse. We're going to get Hitler and a bottle of ketchup. And, and a guy in a make- Dippin' Dots costume. Right, yeah. and we're going ma- to make this into something. And it totally fits the music. Yeah, I got to say, like, I'm probably in the minority of this, although you might have my back on this. I actually, if we're like, I understand, like, they made the right choice for Mama, I'm Coming Home. I understand why that second video is the official video and why that became, like, the hit version. But right. remember when they released, like, the first version, like, a couple months later, just sort of like, oh, this was the, the other alternative version? And it yeah. was, like, it was a weird video where, kind of like the Time After Time video, it was an odd video with Ozzy, like, holding a pig and stuff. Yes. And, yeah, I like that video better. To me, that like, was... kind of disturbing. It's yeah, it's disturbing. <laughs> it feels kind of like what Sabbath would have done. Right. It, yeah, just com- just something offbeat and surreal and doesn't not as up. mainstream. Not as mainstream. I like. I get it. Like I get that they had to do that kind of more tasteful uh, sepia kind of video that they did, which was very what of that time. Right. Because this album, you look at the album cover, it's very sepia. Yeah, it's just like that, and that was a very thing. It's like that black rose. You know, uh, she talks to angels like that. There's a right. period where a lot of the ballot videos look like that. So I yeah. get it, and obviously. Yeah. It helped the, the song be a hit with it looking more normal, <laughs> but right. but I personally like the less normal Ozzy holding a pig video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but so okay, so you like time after time, but you don't agree with me that's his best ballad. I love time after time. It's a great song, one of the better songs on the album, but I don't think it's his best. No. What do you think, Eric? Uh, this is a song, you know, when I was younger, I used to hate this song. I, I used to be a lot like Ian Wadley, where I was like, man, I hate Ozzy ballads. They're just so, wow. there's just something so off about them. And now I find, though, that what was off about Ozzy ballads is the reason I like a lot of them now. He doesn't have a ballady kind of voice, but it almost adds a charm to it. And I just really, I love a lot of his ballads now. Songs like So Tired. Goodbye to Romance, like this, you know, time after time, these songs I just, like, hated on when I was younger, I, they've grown on me over time. It's like, like I said, they got a charm to them. Ozzy doesn't have a ballad-type voice. It sounds awkward and weird, but it just works for some reason. I, I like this song, man. It's, even though in high school this is a song I would have hated, it, it reminds me of, like, kind of back in the day, you know, hanging with friends, band practice, chasing girls, playing video games, having fun, man. It just kind of, it's one of those reminiscent kind of songs that makes you think about, you know, being young and all the fun you had, you know, when you were young. I fucking love it. It's a good song. All right. Awesome. As they okay. say, young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> so full of cum. <laughs> <laughs> so, next song, Mick, Zombie Stomp. Oh, Zombie Stomp. Okay, so this is written by Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Wilde, and once again, Randy Castillo. Um, I don't need no doctor. Uh, you know, I kind of put this in with, this is a really cool song, uh, but I kind of put it in with S.I.N. Uh, Sharon is Nasty. It's kind of <laughs> being a very strong album track. Killer filler, as Wadzilla would say. Cool song, 
but yeah, definitely killer filler. You know, uh, I mean, it's a good tune. And uh, earlier, I was riding around with my son Grayson, and we were listening to this. And we were cruising around doing stuff, and he seemed to really dig this song. Nice. So, uh, right, right. Okay. But I mean, it's an okay tune for me. It's it serves its purpose as filler, you know, and supporting the better songs. Yeah. All right, I, I've got. A, I think it's fine for a child to like this song. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll cut Grayson some slack. I don't know. If thank I you, can... thank you. <laughs> this song sucks. I'm sorry. Oh, I, it's the first song on this album. Hey, I thought S and I. S-I-N, I wouldn't call killer filler. I just thought it was filler, but I didn't... Okay, think, okay. But I didn't think it sucked. This song sucked. You just never got... You never no, got I, fingers I, to no, it. No, this is the first... This is when I knew that this album wasn't going to be my third favorite Ozzy album. <laughs> I, <laughs> I understand like, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, half the song's just a build-up. Then they finally get to the song. And I don't know, it's just... It's, it's, it, it sounds like something that was written in five minutes. It's hokey. I think it's hokey. Right. I, you know, zombies. Is, comp. It, is it, it wonky? It's not wonky enough. You know, it just fits. It feels. Yeah. It's. Uh, it's not weird enough. It's just kind of lazy. I think. And gotcha. Alice Cooper would kind of have songs like this sometimes too. Where Alice like, Cooper could have. Alice Cooper could have made this better. Actually, I think it would have been better if Alice. Alice would have made it a little wonkier. <laughs> He right, would have done right, some exactly. vaudeville shit during it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Ozzy just like doesn't do enough weirdness to um, make it uh, really shine. I don't know. I just don't like this song. And when we get to the bonus tracks, I will just say right now, one of the bonus tracks I think wipes the floor of this song. Ooh, so ooh. I definitely would have preferred that they went with one of these bonus tracks. Uh, and then there's one bonus track, which is very similar to this song. Uh, so uh, so I think that sucks, too. So when, so when we get to the bonus tracks, one I love, one I think sucks. So there you go. Uh, but Zombie Stomp, yeah, I think it sucks. I think it's, uh, as the album is here, like, I guess, you know, as the album is, <laughs> uh, it's the, my least favorite song on the album. I think it's lame. But, you know, it's not like... I get that. It's not the worst song that's ever been written. So what do you think, Eric? Let me say, uh, man, it the intro drags on way too fucking long. Ooh, like, way too long. I, right. I can hear it, like, it'd be perfect if it was a concert and maybe you're, like, doing crowd participation, but don't include that shit on the album. Trim that shit down. Now, that aside, I fucking love this song. If they trimmed down that intro, this could have been a great song. It reminds me of Tribal Dance by Armored Saint. It's got that Latin rhythm in there. I think this is Randy Castillo's best drumming on the fucking album. Um, yeah, it's just a badass song with a sick, nasty groove. Um, and uh, the title reminds you know, the last song I was talking about, you know, reminds me of my high school days. Well, this one reminds me of my high school days because, goddamn, you know, 2010s, there was like zombie shit everywhere. I remember the. <laughs> I remember the that redhead uh, who was giving me those painful hand jobs from the last episode. Uh, she she was all obsessed with zombies, like watching Zombieland, getting some handies, and fucking she had a zombie Ooh. book. It was like zombies were like fucking everywhere. Where I just got so sick of them, you know. But I I love the song. I think it's great. I just think goddamn trim Did that you- intro. <laughs> Go ahead. Did you get a handy while watching Dawn of the Dead, the original? 
No, no, that was too old. No, oh. and, uh, it, it pisses me off. That's the best zombie movie ever. Oh, for real! It's I, so I, fucking I, good. I agree with that. The original Dawn of the Dead is my favorite zombie movie. I like Mine the Itali- too. I like the Italian cut. Oh man! Uh, so why don't we take the next song, Alex Van, called Alex Van Halen or ABH? <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing because I thought the same thing today. Me like, too. Van Halen, but it, it, it sounds a little like Aerosmith. So then I was like, "It's Aerosmith Van Halen." <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, what it stands for is Aston Villa Highway, which is a Birmingham football team. Ooh, interesting! From Black Sabbath and also Judas Priest's hometown of Birmingham, England. And Birmingham's like this real working class. Uh, area of England and yeah it's a football team that Ozzy liked from Birmingham so there you go Birmingham football team who would have nice. fucking known it <laughs> uh, I guess like um, I was just, I was just reading that the acronym was alcohol volume and hashish <laughs> it's possible maybe it's like an, uh, Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds thing like where the Beatles lie and say oh no it's not about acid it's like obviously <laughs> right Right. But they they said like John Lennon's like uh, if he says it's oh it's just something my like uh, Julian drew like it's just it's that's all it's about you know he, he drew right. this picture like, sure John <laughs> yeah sure John yeah it just happened to be the period sure John goes that's it yeah so yeah so maybe yeah maybe it's not really about a football team and that's just bullshit that they said but um, this song <laughs> okay this is kind of this one called passable filler. It's not quite killer filler, but it's a little bit... Musically, I'll tell you who the VIP on this song is, is Zach. Zach is really trying to make yeah. something happen with this song. I feel like from a compositional standpoint, there's really not much going on with this song. It's kind of murky. Right. But, but Zach right. is like pulling out all the stops. He's doing a lot of stuff, he, especially in the verses. He's doing this Aerosmith kind of funky kind of stuff, and, and he's throwing out a lot of yeah. good licks, and he's really trying. He's really trying to make this song, you know, make it something <laughs> so <laughs> i i it's on the second so- half of this album it's i guess one of the better tracks it's not great but i would keep it on it it's it's solid enough fill and i do like some of the guitar work and i think zach kind of makes the song work but it's definitely not as strong i mean compared to what the first half of this album was this second half is definitely not up to the same level in my opinion but yeah, yeah. But uh, but it's it's all right. It's passable filler. What do you think, Eric? Holy shit! This song's some fucking filler. And when I say filler, I mean like filling the toilet. Up. It's like filling the toilet up with fucking shit and clogging it. This is horrible. Oh, Cut oh. this song out. I, oh, least favorite track off the album. And, and of course, you know they had this is like '91. They had to have that fucking Cinderella slide intro, trying to be all bluesy, you know? Right. <laughs> God damn! Like, what what a way to what a way to name a song after Alex Van Halen and write like the shittiest <laughs> song off the fucking album. I I hate this. He song. definitely deserves better. Yeah, <laughs> although at the time he was still with Sammy Hagar, so I mean maybe he did deserve right like this time. <laughs> well, well, let I me mean, like just think at this point in time you've either got pound cake or you've got ABA. Oh, it's like it's like <laughs> someone telling you you have to eat like a piece of cat shit or a piece of dog shit. It's like I don't want to eat either, you know. It's like rather would you have herpes or climate? You know? Yeah. Like, uh, 
So, so what? What do you think of this? Uh, obviously, not wonderful vlog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you guys the truth. As we're sitting here, we're talking about this. I can't even acknowledge what the fuck this song sounds like. It, it, it is like, like I'm lost. <laughs> yes, remember when I said it, it, it's like a murky song? Like, right. There's right. something about it. You listen to this. I remember what Zach's doing on guitar. I don't like. He's trying to make it a song. But it's He's really trying. not. But it's really not a song. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, like I've said, I've been listening to this album for years. I love this album, and I I, I listened to it three times. When you guys hit me up, I was like, Nick, could you do this? I listened to it three times, and today in the car, I even listened to it twice in a row. And I, and right now, as I stand, Dick Twatkins, Wild Ride bassist. I cannot <laughs> remember how this song goes. Yeah, I have so no clue. Dick Watkins cannot hum the riff. I cannot hum the riff. I can't either. It's kind of just ABH. I mean, it. I think it, if you, if you want to. They might as that, well have called this HIV. I don't understand that. <laughs> Zach Wilde, if you asked him to hum the riff, he'd be like, I don't know. I just like did some Aerosmith type soloing on that song. <laughs> right. Yeah. In Aerosmith, are you talking about 70s Aerosmith or like. Oh, and an uh, elevator arrow. Like, 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 uh, get a grip, pump arrow. Uh, I'd say uh. more, I'd like kind of done with mirrors. Oh, go. <laughs> mirrors, yeah. Uh, not too great. Yeah, I, mean, sure I, I, like, I forgot about that album. I like done with mirrors, but I kind of like right. done with mirrors because it's a little indescript and, and kind of lazy. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. It's lazy Aerosmith. It kind of reminds me of that great Aerosmith song from Done with Mirrors called The Hop. <laughs> no, oh, it's not, it's not as good as it's not as good as the hop. Who I the thought, fuck knows what that? <laughs> okay, you like that song? I, I, I like I like the mirrors, but I can tell you half of that album. Okay, okay. You, you have to be listening to to know what it sounds like. <laughs> but but that's right. still better than yeah. AVH, as we point out. AVH, you can actually be listening to it and still not know what it sounds like. Yeah, right. it's like Alex Van just played better. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I gotta tell you, I, this might be sacrilege, but I think Pound Cake's much better in this song. I know what oh, Pound Cake sounds it, like. Yeah. You know what, though? I I mean, I know fucking Ralph and Ian will probably probably uh, di- disregard us all and ban us from the Rock and <laughs> podcast. But I gotta agree. Yeah, I'll Pound take Pound better. Than yeah, it's better than this. Yeah. But, you know, Ralph, not- Ian, we're sorry. Yeah, but you know, saying the best song off of a, like a platinum-selling album from Van Halen is not as good. Is a little bit better than like one of the weaker tracks from an Ozzy album. Is not like high praise, right? <laughs> right. But anyway, but so we disagree. I think Zombie Stomp is shitty. Although I will say this for Zombie Stomp, I do remember what it sounds like. Unfortunately, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I like, like that. Yeah. So. I mean, so where would you think of HIV? You can't understand what the fuck the song sounds like. So, uh, so talking about going nowhere, let's talk about the road to nowhere. <laughs> the last song on this album, which I think we could all agree kind of dipped a bit in quality at the very end here. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll I'll take this song. This is the thing. I don't think in and of itself it's a bad ballad. Like if you hear it by itself, isolated, like this is a nice. Me- you know, it's a nice ballad. It's memorable. Like, I remember what it sounds like. It's just right, that... Right. There shouldn't be three fucking ballads on an Ozzy album. It's too many. It's just too many. It's like uh, like Get a Grill, yeah. where there was like three ballads on the Aerosmith album. Yeah, he's starting and, to go into Aerosmith territory yeah, here. And, and, <laughs> yes. 
And it's not that it's really bad. It's just like, save this for osmosis. You know, it's just too much. Too many ballots. And if I had to pick, it's my least favorite of the three ballots. So this is, it's, I think it's the least interesting of the three ballots. You know, to me, Mom, I'm Coming Home is just much stronger. Melodic, and melodically, it's much stronger. And Time After Time is more interesting, you know? And to me, this is the one that's most cliched. And so it falls kind of, you know, in some area in between those two ballots. So and essentially, it's just like Mom, I'm Coming Home, but not as good. So, and I know, I mean, I recall this song probably was like the third song that was probably played the most from this album. All right. In the 90s, you know, I remember it took off a little bit. But I got to tell you, I feel like if Time After Time was released before this and Road to Nowhere wasn't released, I feel like that would have done a little bit better. But I almost feel like it fucked up Time After Time's chances of doing well. Because by the time Time After Time came out, people were like, oh, another fucking Ozzy valve. Forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I don't know. I just, it's all right. It's not a bad song. I would have preferred it if there was just two ballots in this album and it time after time. I think that would have had a little more, I mean, impact. Again, it's not horrible. It works as a last track, but I don't know. It's just, by this point, it's too it's too similar. We haven't been really been given any curveballs with the last couple tracks, and I felt like this album started off so strong. Like, there's no, like, um... You know, uh, be you know, uh, uh, waiting for darkness or dire of a madman. Like this album should have ended with yes. like some kind of epic track, like just mm-hmm. something a little yeah. different. And instead, we just got like very lesser variations of the same. And that's what wrote yeah. nowhere just feels like variation of the same by the end. So that's how I feel about it. Don't hate it, but would have preferred it if it was like on something else and not this album. What do you think about it, Mick? Oh, dude. <laughs> This is my favorite track on the album. Oh, oh favorite song on the album. I love it. It is, dude. Oh, my God. I love this song. I was looking back on my life and all the things I've done to me, and I'm still searching for the answers, and I'm still searching for the key. And then it kicks into that, the wreckage of my past keeps haunting me. Oh, my God. I love it. I love everything about this song, and I love the this. This is probably by far my favorite Zach Wild guitar solo, and I love at the end of that solo he's fucking shredding, and at the end of the solo the chorus comes back in, and just Zach hits his high ass note, and he lets it ring, and Ozzy goes back into that chorus. The wreckage of my past keeps haunting me. Ugh, goosebumps every time, dude. My opinion, the greatest song on this album. Is it the greatest Aussie? I mean, do you guys consider this a ballad? Yeah, yeah this is a ballad. Totally. Yeah, this is definitely a ballad. Then this is probably my favorite Aussie ballad. Well, there you go. So, nice. wow. I got to love it. If if love it. If this if like I said, if it was the other way around, maybe if 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 it was Mama One coming home and then just this, like it's just like. I think time after time comes first, so I'm still not played out on the ballots by the time that came. So <laughs> right. it's just by the time we get to track 11, I'm just like, oh, it's another one of these songs. And like right. I said, if you took the song separate, like if when I listen to the song separately, I can hear that's a really good song. It's a well-written song. It's good ballot. But I almost feel like Osmosis needed this more than No More Times. You know? right. uh, but it's kind of like, to me, if you watch the video with the song, yeah. The video helps it 
with the impact because because it, it's a black and white video and it's Ozzy sitting there and he's kind of watching a TV and he's reflecting on biting the, the head off a dove and the the years of Sabbath and it's just the impact of the video with the lyrics it's like Ozzy just summing up his life thus far yeah Ozzy, I haven't seen the video I haven't seen it it just hits me right in the heart dude I'm like when Ozzy Osbourne dies and that's gonna be one of the grimmest days in heavy metal history yep this is the song that I will probably go to to commemorate him and it's just to me it sums up Ozzy it's just Mm -hmm. This is his message. This is what his life was about. You know? All right. So where 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 do you fall, Eric, with Road to Nowhere? Oh, man, I, I love this song. And this is another one, man. It's another Ozzy ballad. You know, I remember hearing this one on the radio a lot. And uh, I used to yeah. hate it. I used to hate it when I was younger. And I looked up the set list from the Ozzy show I saw in 2010. Um, and this was the other song he played from the Salmas, I Don't Want to Change the World. And he nice. this song. And uh, man, look, looking back, you know, I went to see that Ozzy show. I was with I was with my dad, and I went to, and also to my uh, my uncle Len, who uh, you know unfortunately passed away. Man, and uh, man, just like hearing the lyrics to it, and just say, like like you make it really hit me in the feels. It brought back so many memories of just stuff, and uh, it, I almost kind of it's also the point where I kind of like I I, I kind of I'm mad at myself for. You know, seeing him play the song and like not really appreciating it at the time. I, you know, I was probably at that show thinking, God damn, like I wish he'd play something different, you know, whereas now I'm like, man, I really wish I could, uh, could go back in time and kind of embrace it more. And, uh, yeah, you know, I almost got kind of emotional listening to it because I just, you know, I was thinking about my uncle Len, man. You know, he was, he was, he was the coolest, man. He, he was that uncle that, you know, your parents probably didn't want you hanging around too much because he'd, let you get into uh-huh. trouble, you know. We we're always talking music, seeing concerts together. He was always letting me fucking drink and smoke weed with him, you know. Um, yeah, he, he was a badass man, you know. I, I miss him a lot, you know. And uh, so yeah, that's got a little emotional to listen to it, man. And uh, glad I got to see Ozzy play it. Just a shame I didn't really appreciate it too much at the time, but I love this song. It's got a soft spot in my heart, man. And uh, right. cool way to end this album. All right, so you two guys yep. made me feel like an asshole because <laughs> I didn't love your ballad that touches your soul. Sorry, Andy. It's all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, just it, it really does. Just I mean, it's uh, when you think of Ozzy and his life, it just this song just encapsulates everything about it. You know, it's just well, it's definitely it, better than so talk. Oh, like so tired, and it's better in Divide Romance so too. I think I, I do not like Divide and Romance. So. All right, do you guys I, think it's better than tonight? No, I think it's better than tonight. I think tonight kicks uh, the song in the ball. Tonight, yeah, tonight. I guess that'd be my third favorite Ozzy Bell. So, but but this right. you know, it's up there. Like I said, I admit I'm just being kind of hard on it, just because it's the third ballad. Like kind of you know, if there's just You're so many Ozzy Bell. I'm a little burnt right. out on it. I felt like I, I referred that emo, but you know, you know, you guys got a different connection to it. And right. well, let's just, say it, if you took S I N and A D H off this album, would you be still as burnt out on it? 
I might because it's a third ballot still. Like, that's the thing. I okay, just okay, feel, gotcha. I just feel like there shouldn't be three ballots. Like, it doesn't matter how great the fucking ballot is. Like, it's just like there's just too many ballots on this album. Gotcha. So, um, because yeah. most of the time, up to this point, Ozzy only had one ballot on an album. Yeah, I think, like, two's pushing it, but right. it could, it, I'll allow it. I'll allow two. But three, right. three's is too much. Like, like I said, I feel like one, whether it's Road to Nowhere or, or, Time after time, you know. Obviously, you know I like Time After Time a little bit better, but you guys like Road to Nowhere a little bit better. Although we all agree that they're decent songs. One yep. of these songs had to go and be saved for like another album, or be used right. as a like stand like for a movie or soundtrack. Like yeah, that. right, right. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Who knows? Just something, you know. This would have been a great track for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I agree yeah, like just that. something like that. I just, you know? I just don't think there should be three similar kind of ballots on on this album. You know, and bringing up Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, that's funny you bring that up, because at the top of the four and a half hours we've been doing this, uh, Edwin, when you brought up the beginning of the 90s and how it was like a smorgasbord of different styles, the number one thing that comes to my mind is that soundtrack. Because yeah. it's got Faith No It's got Faith No More, Megadeth, Kiss, Winger. It's such a just this is the early nineties and it's got the one rap song. Right. <laughs> yeah. And here's all this music that is relevant. You know, it's and funny it's, that you, you said that because I was thinking the same thing about the soundtracks. Like think of the right. the, the last action hero soundtrack. Same yeah. A C D C's on that, big guns. Yeah. Uh, it's A C D C. It's Aerosmith. It's Queen right. It's Alston Chains. It's Megadeth. Right. You know? All on the same album. Like, to me, like, what fucking... How... That's the period. Like, listen to that. You got Megadeth and right. Alice in Chains and ACDC, all, like, all, Queensryche, all on the same soundtrack. Like, you know, that's... Like, music... There was so much going on, you know? And then right. they, you know, they, they streamlined, streamlined that, it, put in little boxes. diversity has had... Yeah, they were allowing all this stuff to happen, you know. And yeah, I love the, the soundtracks from the early '90s. Are awesome. They really they are. Yeah, and also like Point Break with fucking Rat. Uh, yeah, what's that that's, song? Nobody rides for free, and that's probably Nobody, right. my second favorite rap song. That's a great song, dude. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to discuss the two? Which I only found out about these bonus tracks a couple hours ago. <laughs> told me because uh, my version doesn't have the bonus tracks. I don't know them. I don't yeah. know them at all. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna review both of them really quick. Uh, first one, the intro reminds me of Crazy Babies because subconsciously I think I want to hear a good Ozzy Osbourne song. It's called Don't Blame Me. Yeah, no wonder this song was left off the fucking album. And the next one's called Party with Animals. Just, I've heard a, that. It's a fucking Ozzy song. He's it's kind of dumb and cheesy, but it does have Ozzy making gorilla noises, which is the only part I like in it. Uh, yeah, that's my opinion on those two songs. Well, I, I'm gonna give an opinion. <laughs> it, uh, I disagree if you on don't blame me. Uh, and I, I'd be curious to get your opinion of it, Mick. I think Mick might 
Like I, I love Don't I, Call I, Me Maybe. I honestly, really I honestly can't say nothing about it because I don't. I really it's know it. it's like it's like AVH, it's like AVH, but with actual memorable hooks and melodies. <laughs> like I only heard it one time, gotcha. and I remember it more than AVH. Uh, great guitar gotcha. work from Zach. Has kind of an Aerosmith groove, kind of funky and heavy at the same time. To me, it definitely should have squeezed out a couple of the songs that were on this album. I think it's better. Okay. Now, um, Party with the Animals is horrible. It's like oh, zombies. God. It's <laughs> terrible. It's just horrible. Yeah. Actually, I might say it's worse than zombies. It's really stupid. Ooh. Good. You know, yeah. I'm I glad you said that. Because <laughs> I actually like the title. I know Party with the Animals. That could be fun. <laughs> and then I listened to it. Yeah. And like, no, this is the worst case scenario for Party with the Animals. <laughs> it's horrible. It's, like I was thinking, it might be wonky and fun. Like I like Thrill My Gorilla, like Alice Cooper. <laughs> Love, <laughs> I, it. Love I, it. I thought it might be like a fun wonky song like that, but no, it's really shitty. It's not a good song at all. And there's, <laughs> oh, it's horrible, horrible song, horrible. So, uh, so that's that. Yeah, that's so, no more years. So yeah, why don't we go into because uh, it's getting late over by here. So why don't we go into our uh, uh, I'm gonna call it a radical recommendation today. Right. Yeah. That's a cue for you, Mick. Yeah, that's a cue. Oh, oh, <laughs> you're the guy that does the radical record reviews. Radical rock, record. Radical rockin' record reviews. Yeah, you know, such a tongue twister. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally not prepared for this. But you know what? The first album that came to my mind is, I mean, you gotta give it up for the man on the album. They got a lot of songwriting credits. Randy Castillo, and it is the T-shirt that I'm wearing today. Ooh. If you if you slept on it, and I know a lot, Ian Wadley likes to joke on this album a lot, and I totally disagree with you, Wadzilla. I think you're full of shit. But uh, Motley Crue, new tattoo. I think it's a great album. It's got some stupid songs on it. Some of the lyrics are very juvenile, even for Motley Crue standards. But for what it is, I think it's a very strong return to form album for them. So check it out from the year 2000, Motley Crue, New Tattoo. The song Hell on High Hills is my favorite Motley song ever. Mick, I, I love you, brother, but goddamn, is that the album with first band on the fucking moon on there? It is. Oh, and I'll tell you God. what, those lyrics are awful, but if you take away the lyrics, the music is really cool. Who the fuck's going to send four wife beaters into space where they're going to snort Tang? God damn it. <laughs> Only Motley Crue would. <laughs> That's actually a smart idea. Let's send Motley Crue to fucking space. God damn it. All right. We'll keep Horrible lyrics. Horrible <laughs> lyrics. But the music, if they could have written, or if they could have written better lyrics for that, it, it would have been a better song. Yes. Oh, God. Check it uh, out. Just listen to <laughs> Hell on High Hills. Listen to that tasty Mick Mars guitar solo. Tell me that's not good shit. Hey, wait, 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 Mick Mars plays guitar on there? I thought it was DJ Ashba. No, that, <laughs> that, that was later on. That's later on. Okay. <laughs> Edwin, what do you pick? Well, uh, I want, people should also, as always, check out Mick's uh, YouTube channel and also his band, Wild Ride. Awesome Thank band. you, Edwin. Thank check you, Edwin. it out. Great hey. stuff. You know what the great thing about Wild Ride is? They don't have a song called First Band on the Fucking Moon. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we do not. We do not. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I'm going to recommend something, uh, going back with this theme of the early 90s and talking about like an album that really is just of that time, that time where things were crossing over, and it kind of goes back to the Pearl Jam thing a little bit, too. Um, 
as some of you might know, before Pearl Jam, Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard were part of a band called Mother Love Bone. Mother right. Love Bone is actually a band that I think it's possible that if you hate Pearl Jam, you could actually like Mother Love Bone. They're kind of, I don't know if either of you have ever listened much to their I, stuff. I've heard them because uh, back in the early days of Comcast, I used to listen to Music Choice a lot, and one of the stations I listened to, they played Mother Love Bone like constantly. So I, I, they are pretty good, man. I, I still need to kind of dive deeper into their music, but they're, from what I've heard, they're not bad. They're pretty yeah, good. I, yeah, they only have one album in an AP, and the album, this is what I'm recommending, mm-hmm. is their 1990 album, Apple which was their debut. And they're kind of like, they are like this missing link. They're pretty much like the bridge between hair metal and grunge. And uh, in a way, they were kind of like the Seattle Guns N' Roses. Yeah. They they kind of had this bridge of these influences, obvious classic rock influences, obvious, like listen to Aerosmith and stuff like that, but doing it in a kind of a different flavor, in a more kind of West Coast way. Yeah, and uh, their original singer, the one who died, Andrew Wood, very good singer, kind of did that kind of funky kind of voice that like Axl Rose did, you know, sometimes like Mr. Mm -hmm. Brownstone, like that Mm -hmm. very specifically 1990 kind of way of singing. And you know, um, it's it's I really love this album. I feel that there was a song on the single soundtrack, Crown of Thorns, is on it, which I think is a beautiful rock ballad, a little Zeppelin esque. You hear a lot of Zeppelin influence with the band as well. And it's it's I think they're a really cool band and, and they represent the spirit like they were supposed to be the big band that crossed over you know, they were like really supposed to be the band, not Nirvana, not Pearl Jam, not Allison Chains. Mm-hmm. But Andrew Wood had a heroin overdose. And he oh, actually nice. he's the inspiration for the Allison Chains song Wood. Nice. It's wow. inspired by Andrew Wood. I and, did not know that. Yeah, so he was this tragic guy that literally, this is the thing, this guy had a heroin overdose literally uh, weeks before this album came out. Wow. Damn. So, so it came, like, this album was released like DOA. Like, they didn't have a singer to promote it. Like, right. And so they couldn't do videos. They couldn't tour with it. So this album just died quickly. And then they got Eddie Vedder and they did Temple of the Dog. And that's actually how... Pearl Jam, like, that was how Pearl Jam formed. A lot of people didn't realize that because that mm-hmm. album didn't break until after Pearl Jam broke. Yeah. But Temple's Dog actually came out before 10. And so that's how Stone Gossard and Jeff Amick kind of came together with Eddie Vedder, and then Pearl Jam kind of came out of the ashes. But, like, Pearl Jam, like, 10, like, that would have been, like, Mother Love Bone's, like, second album. And maybe that would have been the thing that broke. And you can kind of hear... I would say, like, a song like Even Flow, like, it, like Even Flow is kind of the closest you can get to kind of what Mother Love Bone kind of sounded like, like that side of Pearl Jam, the side that was a little funkier, more Aerosmith kind of influence. And so it's it's that kind of music, like, you know. So gotcha. I don't know how much you would like it, but I, th- I do think you prefer it to Pearl Jam. They're a little less self-righteous. They're a little sexier. They're a little funkier. <laughs> it, it's like I said, they're that missing link. They're that missing link that you could be into Guns N' Roses and like LA Guns and stuff, and or you could be into Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and stuff, and yet both groups could kind of like Mother Love Bone. To me, they're kind of that bridge where they kind of bridge those two. They, they bridge the rock divide of the early 90s. So gotcha. if that sounds appealing to you, I would recommend Mother Love Bone's Apple. Nice. I will definitely I, check that out. 
I'm gonna have to go with uh, I've been in uh, especially after Doctor Fuck's video, uh, Dream Police video. I've been on a huge Cheap Trick kick, and the one I'm gonna go with is uh, the one that was produced by none other than George Martin, who produced the Beatles. Uh, the album yeah. All Shook Up. I fucking love that album. You know, stop this game. Just got back. Uh, can't stop it, but I'm gonna try. Just fucking yes. awesome. I even love the last song, the Who the King, where it's just a bunch of weird tribal drums and shit. I love it, and it's so Beatles-esque. Like you can right. hear George Martin's influence all over that album. So that's definitely one I check. I'd like everyone to check out. You know, I'll just go you, check out Cheap Trick in general. I'll tell you, a great song on that album is World's Greatest Lover. Yeah, uh, that's probably the most Beatles-esque sounding song. I was going to say, talk about Beatles, man. That song is straight up, straight up Beatles. I love that. Actually, my two favorite songs on the album, uh, you both mentioned, uh, I Can't Stop It, but Gotta Try, and World's Greatest Lover. World's Greatest Lover. Yeah, they're my two favorite songs. I love the album. I'm not with you on that last track, The Beauty King or whatever it's called. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But but the rest of the album's great. It is a great album. I mean, yeah, everyone should just listen to Cheap Trick. Period. I agree. <laughs> yep. Cheap, Cheap Trick is a band that I would love to review and talk about with you guys eventually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we'll definitely do that. You know, we'll do that. Like, yeah. I think it's a good summertime review. We'll do. I like, absolutely. Yeah. Cheap they're Trick is summer. Yeah. yeah, they're a great summer band, and Cheap Trick is just so like in my friend group, the friends that I have, the circle of people that I hang out with. I try to like just sell the gospel of Cheap Trick so much. They're so underrated to so many people. It's just... Yeah, actually, if I would pick a band that I think is the most underrated, I'd say it's Cheap Trick. I feel that they're the band where I listen to their catalog, and I just don't understand why they're not a bigger band. Right, I mean, Mm -hmm. Cheap cheap Trick forever. They Even still, they are an opening band. And And when they do their own headlining gigs, it's like... They practically played a, on the grand scheme of things, they played a nobody. Yeah. Like, I, lo- I love the Ramones, but I kind of get why the Ramones aren't as big as they should have been. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for one thing, like, let's face it, people are kind of, especially like a, a lot of female fans, they're a little hard on people if they're not, like, good looking. But, right. you know, Robin Zander, when he was young, was a really good looking guy. I used to look like Robin Zander. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> But yeah, when he was yeah. a good, he, he was like a good-looking guy when he was young. He has one of the greatest voices ever, and their songs right. were so catchy. Right. You know, so, I, like I, I just don't get why, like throughout the '80s, they weren't like a bigger deal. Like I obviously they had a couple well, hits, but they I, well, I mean, love the idea of they had the two like you know the two guys dudes. that look yeah that look yeah. like rock stars, and they had like the two right. weird-looking dudes, you know. But that's kind of perfect in a way. It gets like the girls and the guys, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I I kind of do on. I kind of see where they made a few errors in it. Right. Well, like if you look at the '80s, you know, like Cheap Trick, they were. I think Cheap Trick just kind of had had a hard go at it the whole time because if you look at like what the '80s became later on, like maybe like '85 and on. It's the Pretty Boy, Brett Michaels, Vince mm-hmm. Neil, John Bon Jovi. Cheap Trick were not that kind of band. And I really do think their image, it worked for them in the 70s. But I think their image and their whole kind of gimmick 
hindered them hugely in the 80s. You think the fact that they were kind of quirky? Yeah, I, I don't think the position. 80s... Right, I don't think the 80s... That quirkiness worked in the 80s. Like, not but in you, the MTV era, no. Yeah, like, to me, like, like in the mid-80s, like, he got something like, Tonight It's You. I'm like, why, why wasn't great, that... Like, great, great song. <laughs> why wasn't that, like, a top ten hit? To me, that sounds like a top ten hit, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Amazing yeah. song. Honestly, probably one of the greatest Cheap, cheap Trick songs, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a, like, and they just have moments like that. And obviously, they did have a bit of a comeback with, the, you know, The Flame was a huge song. Right. But, but... You know, it's just like, I just feel like they, I feel like they definitely should be headlining arenas, and they had this body of work, and they stayed good. And there were highs right. and lows, you know, so a few years were better than others, but they, they and I love that last album of theirs, I thought it was great. Oh, uh, me, me too, man, me too. Yeah, uh, so, you know, yeah. And I, I love I love what they did in the '90s. You know, woke up with Monster and not in the '97. I know we we disagree on the '97 album, Nick, but we both <laughs> but we both love Woke Up with Monster. I, I think mean, Woke Up with a Monster is like if you look at the whole grand scheme of their things. And maybe I'm spoiling my cheat trick ranking video, but I think Woke Up with a Monster is probably the best thing since their '70s peak. Yeah, because that'd actually be a good album for us to review. Maybe we'll right. do that. So don't say right. too much about that. But I guess we're all on the same page. Cheap Trick's awesome. More, more people should listen Agreed. to them. I think, yeah. too, before before we head off, I think my opinion was, uh, like Ralph said, overexposure. Because I think, you know, Budokan blew up, and they are everywhere. And I feel like right. it always goes one of two ways. You're either overexposed, and people just jump on the bandwagon, and you're just good. Or some people, they're overexposed, become too popular, and it has the reverse effect, and people just, you know, there's a backlash. People just turn on you. Yeah. I feel it goes one of two ways, and unfortunately, they got the shit end of the stick, sadly. You know, people just probably were, got sick of cheap tricks to the point where, you know, Fast Times at Richmond High, they're kind of being, like, the butt of the joke, you know. But, uh, that's oh, kind yeah, of like... Yeah, I, oh, that's... Yeah. 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 Although, if you watch the, the deleted scenes from Fast Times at Richmond High... It's actually part of a larger subplot that it's actually not a joke about them, but because of the oh. way it's edited and cut, oh. it looks like they're making fun of it. With Mike Damone's character, you know, Mike's spear down. Right. Uh, uh, it's I say, isn't Mike Damone your actual father? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some similarity. Uh, right. But, yeah, I was, uh, was conceived in the pool house. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> it all makes sense. They they tried to abort me, but it didn't work. They, uh, <laughs> you know, but seriously, uh, there's a sub. The joke, it, it's it's he's trying to pitch. He's trying to sell tickets to Phoebe Kate's character, and she goes, "Oh, that's kid stuff." So people think, "Oh, they're writing yep. off." But you're not supposed to be on her side of it. There's an earlier scene which they cut. Um, it's interesting because they cut the scene. Uh, where you know when it cuts the famous, which we actually use in, as an intro, where he says, "Listen to like side um, one of like uh, Led Zeppelin four to get busy with right. the girl," and, and famously they cut to them in the car and they're playing Cashmere from Physical Graffiti. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but there was actually a scene between them. That was not the cut joke. The cut joke originally Ooh. was there was a scene between Jennifer Jason Lee's and uh, Phoebe Cates' character where they're in bed and she's talking about the state that she has 
And Phoebe Cates is there's a subplot I don't know if you remember where she's dating some college guy that you never see. Right. Like, right. Like, he's, like more, he's more mature. I'm dating a college guy. I wouldn't date a teen guy. And so Phoebe it Cates almost makes it think that he's not real. Like she's just yeah. uh, like bullshitting. Yeah. Yeah, or he just like slept with her, and she's making more out of it than it is, you know. Right. right. And, and and she she like says so they're having this conversation in this cut scene, this deleted scene, and Phoebe Cates' character goes, "Oh my god, I can't believe you're dating a high school boy." You know, well, whatever. He's probably still in his Led Zeppelin face, and ooh, then ooh. it was gonna cut to him in the car playing cashmere, and that nice. was joke so the joke kind of changed so they deleted it but when you see that you understand that there was this motif going where phoebe cates was kind of like thinking rock music and classic rock was like kid stuff but what happens at the end with her character at the end her boy her college guy breaks up with her from like from a letter or something and she's crying and it's like oh you're not the mature one so i feel like the message of that is like saying don't grow up too fast don't act like you're not you know, like you're like too cool for high school kids because then you might get your heart tra- you know you know like you know broken by a college guy so i and obviously cameron crow was a big you know classic rock you know music fan right. so i don't think it was meant to be mocking cheap trick i do agree that with the way the film's cut that that's how probably early 80s audiences perceived that scene but right. i do not think that was cameron crow's attention i think he generally liked cheap trick there was also, you know, a deleted scene in the mall where Mike Damone is talking about how no one listens to Aerosmith anymore. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah, wow, it's I've never seen crap. this. Yeah, it's on the deleted scene where he says, these kids nowadays, they don't even listen to Aerosmith anymore. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's great because it's like part of like only a, a very small, pe- like what, like a five-year period where people didn't actually listen to Aerosmith. But right. it happened to be in that period, 1982. So like, that so, would have been like rock in the hard place era, Aerosmith. Exactly, exactly. Right. So right. when you, again, and you put that into the context, this all fits this subplot, this kind of lost subplot of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where Mike Damone is a champion of awesome classic rock from the late 70s that's being forgotten by these kids. Right. <laughs> by all the punkers and new wavers that are coming. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel that it was a dig. I feel it was Ken McGrow saying, hey, Cheap Trick was awesome. Don't be too cool for school. Listen right. to me. That, that's my interpretation, especially right. after seeing deleted scenes. So that further proves that Mike Damone is probably your father. Yeah, it is. Right. Even talking to Aerosmith stuff, <laughs> right? And I love Rock in the Hard Place. That's what I love seeing. Mike I think it's a good album. Listening to Rock in the Hard Place, sitting there in his room, going, "I don't get why people don't love this album." It's right. Jail Bait's a great song. Jail <laughs> It's a friggin' great song. Why don't yeah. you like it? <laughs> <laughs> this song will get you the stinky finger, rat. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mick, I want to thank you for being on the show, man, and uh, for you. filling in at last minute. It's great to have you on, Edwin. As always, it's always great doing this show with you by my side. And man, I, I can't wait for the next episode. <laughs> All right, have fun editing this. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be a fun one. Yeah, there <laughs> There's lots of fucking crazy stuff in this one, but I want to thank you guys for having me again. It's such an honor to be your first guest and to be your first returning guest. And I mean, you guys are now my favorite podcast, and uh, I'm rooting for you guys all the way. And anytime you guys need me, you know, just sh- shine the signal in the heart of the city. 
We will do that. I we will. will sign right. the Mick Watkins <laughs> bat single. There you go. Yeah. And then play some Prince Scandalous in the background. Ooh, I like it sexy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vicky Vale. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. Vicky Vale's got some hot stuff. I'm going to bust that body. Love All right. it. All, All right. right. Thanks as always, Mick. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Later, guys. Later. All right. Peace, Ow. gentlemen. Peace. See you. See